This is A.R. Farina, writer of the Austin Chronicles, and you're listening to Genuine Chit Chat. It's a truth universally acknowledged that Mike is awesome. Welcome to Genuine Chit Chat, where we've been having honest conversations with interesting people for over six years, and I'm your host, Mike Burton. Hello there, friends, and welcome to episode 200 of Genuine Chit Chat. I think this is technically the 300th release because of part ones and part twos and other bonus things, but it's very exciting times. It's also about six years since I recorded my first episode. I think the first episode aired in September of 2017, so I've actually been podcasting longer than I've been with Megan. So uh, anyone who is listening, there's going to be a video version of this on YouTube of myself and Megan, our lovely faces. And I will warn that the room that we're recording in is really hot. And at the moment in England, it's quite hot and English people don't generally have air conditioning. So we're both sweating already. And and I'm also not feeling 100%. That's correct. So Megan doesn't feel the best. I'm sweating one out. And fun times. But we're going ahead because we love you. And also we've got so many amazing questions to get through. We're going to try and do it all in one sitting. And if we have a sudden costume change on the YouTube video, you'll know that we didn't. Um, so yeah, uh, thank you to everyone who has contributed and uh, really appreciate all the listeners and everything, especially the incredible patron supporters. So just really, really appreciate every single one of you making it well, six years. And there's going to be lots of questions regarding similar things of my podcasting career. So we can delve right in. So Megan's going to be reading the questions and answering quite a few of them as well. And in fact, a couple of them are only addressed to you. Some of them aren't even to I me either. I didn't even look at these when I printed them earlier. I know, it's good, isn't it? And I've, I've tried to put them in a somewhat sensible order, but we, we shall see about that. So shall we delve straight into okay. question numero uno? Okay, numero uno is from The Lost Art of Podcasting, which is Adam Coxie. What's your favourite podcast to listen to, and why is it Lost Art of Podcasting? (laughs) (laughs) Well, aside from Lost Art of Podcasting, uh, my favourite podcast, it's changed every year, I'd say. When I first started, it was Joe Rogan and Scroobius Pip, but I've kind of gone off them uh, a bit. Then, since then... I think at the moment, right now, it's the Always Sunny in Philadelphia podcast because I adore It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. I think the trio that make the show, as well as Meg, are hilarious. But I have literally this week been getting into the Louis Theroux podcast, so really enjoying that. What about you, Megan? Office ladies. Just the office ladies. Yeah, I mean, I... And Genuine Chit Chat. Oh, thank, thank you. I know you don't listen to that many episodes of Genuine Chit Chat. I did when we first got together. That's because we weren't living together. Yeah. Like, oh, I'm away from my muckle, so I'll listen to more. Now you're with him. It's like, I don't want to... I don't it. need to listen to more like, You get muckle. breaks away from me when I podcast, so you don't want to have to then listen to the time of that. Yeah. Uh, yeah, the Office Ladies podcast... I listened to the Slimming World podcast for a while, but mm. I don't do Slimming World anymore, so that kind of, like, teetered off. Um, I was listening to Parks and Recollection. Yes. Which is the Parks and Recreation podcast. Um, but I have kind of not gone off it so much, but they had a change in the presenters, and mm-hmm. I preferred the original. The OGs. The original presenters. Many Rob Lowe, because everyone loves Rob Lowe. So. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I'm currently listening to a podcast called the Tony and Ryan podcast. Is that the TikTokers? No, it's the, the Australian ones. Well, I did... Well, so I don't have TikTok... Well, that's a lie. I do have TikTok. The only reason I have TikTok, and the only person that I follow on TikTok is Genuine Chit Chat. Um, that is the only reason that I have it. Um, but I've seen them on, like, Instagram reels and Facebook reels. Um, so I kept seeing little snippets of this Australian podcasting duo. Um, they used to both be radio presenters mm. out in Australia. Um 
and I think they're really funny. So I'm listening to like their back catalogue at the moment. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But, yeah. Fantastic. Otherwise, Office Ladies is my number one. Amazing. Well, I'm going to say now, obviously, thank you to Adam Coxey. Love you. Um, but thank you. And I love you to every single one of you because there's quite a lot of questions and I'm not really going to just thank every single person after every single question. So this is a blanket we'll thank you thing. and we'll do that at the end. We'll do that thing when you like kids get present like certificates and they're yep. like no we're not going to clap for every single one we'll just clap at the end we'll yeah. clap at the Cla- end we'll clap, clap for everyone at the end indeedy so let's move on to question numero I'm not going to do it in Spanish dos is that two numero dos yeah cool so next one is from Chris Brayton with Dial of Destiny coming out on Friday what's your favourite moment in the indie saga yeah because we recently rewatched Indiana Jones um, and I think we were meant to see Dial of Destiny in a couple weeks but I I'm tr- I remember my favourite part when I was a kid, which is the bit in Raiders where Indy, and my, this is my dad's favourite bit as well, it's when Indy is in the marketplace and the guy pulls out like the scimitar, like the sword, and he's like, and Indy just pulls out his gun and shoots him. I like that bit absolutely cracks me up. So that's definitely one of my favourites, but I'd say the second favourite is probably any part of The Last Crusade when Indy and... Sean Connery, a.k.a. Uh, Henry Jones Jr. Whenever they have senior. any banter... Senior, sorry, yeah. <laughs> God, knows more about indie than I do. Um, whenever they have some sort of bickering or banter, mm. I, I really love that. What about yourself? I like the bit where they pop out of the sewers in Venice because I've been there. Nice. So whenever that happens, I'm like, I've had I've had a hot chocolate there. <laughs> I will also say uh, shout out to uh, Short Round as well, because he makes Temple of Doom somewhat bearable. And also bouncing off that... Somewhat. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's definitely the worst of the originals. But bouncing off that, recently, uh, we released a Comics on Trial episode where I was the judge. Tony Farina was the defendant and uh, Scott Weatherly of the 20th Century Geek and Stories Out of Time and Space podcast was the prosecutor. And we were talking about uh, Kingdom of the Crystal Skull, whether or not it has been uh, misaligned, whether or not kingdom of the crystal skull is actually worse than the original trilogy or if it's actually fits in nicely i haven't i won't say this i won't spoil how what conclusion i came to so you need to go listen to that or watch it on youtube but what, what do you think do you think kingdom is worse i don't remember i fell asleep <laughs> i don't i don't remember <laughs> I, I like i honestly don't know okay. i i couldn't tell you i i have blank memory do of- you remember the ants bit where the ants like climb over that guy and go down his throat Yes, 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 I do remember that bit. Yeah. Um, I remember Shia LaBeouf freaking out about the scorpion, and then he was like, it was massive, and he was like, well, that's good, because the small ones are more poisonous, and that's a fact that I learnt from that film. (laughs) Well, first of all, it was venomous, Um, and second of all, do you know why that is? Because they have to be, like, bigger, don't they? Like, because... Because, like, do you know what I mean? Like, I know the reason. I'm, I'm curious if you know the reason. Why Why small scorpions are more, more venomous. venomous. Yeah. yeah, because they're more susceptible to predators, no? Surely, because they're smaller. So generally, it depends on the species, but generally it's because the scorpions that are, it's like snakes, the smaller ones are generally the babies. And when they're younger, they have no control over how much oh, venom. Like vampires in Twilight. Yeah, that. Um, it's So same with young snakes, is that obviously they only need to use a couple of drops of their venom to incapacitate a foe. But when they're young, they can't control it. So they just almost inject all of it. Wow. And that's gem- generally why. You know, obviously it depends on the type of scorpion and snake and etc. But yeah, so that was Indiana Jones. So fun promotion there and cross promotion to Comics and Trial. On to the next one. So the next one is from Buddy Pet, which Ooh. is a fantastic dog walking service they are. They in Southampton. They do walk willow. Um, and they're also (laughs) 
my soon-to-be, well, future family is Mike's cousin. They are my family, yeah. Mike's cousins. Mike, but yeah. also fantastic dog walkers. Not they just are. Not just because they're related. And they are lovely related. humans as well. And they're lovely human And beings. obviously, um, Paige has uh, recently done dog training and stuff. So she's like a proper dog trainer. And I think they've been looking into sort of clipping and grooming and all kinds. So they're just slowly expanding. The not body grooming, pet. but clipping they definitely yeah, do. Yeah, but the buddy pet world is slowly expanding. But they're, they're two incredible individuals. And yeah, Charlotte's my cousin. Paige is her wife. Does that make Paige... Is that how first and second cousins come about? I, I don't, don't know. I don't understand the second Your cousin cousins. Thing. We're just going to say cousins. Yeah, but they're not related to each other, to clarify. Because <laughs> that would be... That'd be pushing it a bit much. Um, but anyway, yes. They have two questions. The first question is, how has your life changed since having Willow? Well, I know your answer is it's Everything got is so much better. Not everything. Not everything, that's not true, but my life is definitely more... Not that it wasn't fulfilled, but... <laughs> no. <laughs> no, that's not what I mean. What I... I, I have always wanted... Like, getting Willow is by far the happiest day of my life. I've always wanted a dog. Um, You're just crying all the way home while holding it, aren't you? Yeah, like I sent my brother pictures when we picked Willow up and his response to those pictures was, how many times have you cried? Yeah. Um, so getting her was just like the best. Because so, it was about a year ago-ish. Nearly right? a year ago. We're getting uh, nearly like less, just less than a month away till we've, yeah. got her, we've had her for a year. But we met her over a year ago, didn't we? Because we saw yeah. her when she was... Three weeks, weeks old. Oh, wow, wow. We little baby. We little baby. So you, for um, you, it's improved everything. It hasn't, no, it's not improved everything. It's not obviously. improved the wallet or the time. No, obviously we have a little bit less money because, um, Want obviously... Take care we of our dog, food, insurance, dog. vet stuff, you know. Dog walking services, like just Buddy pet. the... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Buddy pet! <laughs> um, yeah, it, there's just a lot of things that go along with having a dog, mm. along as well, like not being able to just get up and go somewhere like yeah. being able to just go away for a weekend isn't as feasible now like yeah. we've got for example in july we have um back-to-back weddings on the same weekend so we have one on the saturday and one on the sunday and obviously we need to organize someone to look after the dog for those two days so it's just like little things like that mm. but otherwise my life is so like not much better because my life was good before, but like it, it's just I, I can't be. Your, your mental words. health has improved quite a lot. My mental just health the has unconditional improved. Love yeah, of an animal. Is I feel too. like not that again. Not that I wasn't happy before, but like my my mental health is considerably better since I've got the dog. Since we've got the dog, yeah, yeah. Whereas my life is um, it's generally better. I like having Willow. I love her to pieces. Um, and you know, coming home after a long day at work and seeing her there, as excited as she is to see you, you know, and there is a serotonin, you know, there's a chemical reaction that happens, especially when you pet dogs or they love you and things. So it is nice, and especially like at night time when you've gone to bed and I'm just down there by myself reading or playing video games, and she cuddles up to me. It is really nice. So like the quality on paper, it sounds like the quality of life is worse because we've got <laughs> less money and less time and more things to worry about. But because you get that unconditional love from her. It is nicer. Well, so it's, it's what I imagine like having a a baby is like. Not to the yeah. same extent, because obviously you she's, she's not biologically in. ours and we you don't put a baby... Well, I mean, you don't put a baby in a crate, but you put a baby in a crib, like... Yeah. But... Um, don't let them out to wee, though. <laughs> but that's the only thing that I can compare it to, because I don't I don't have a baby. Yeah. I, I've never had pets before. Obviously, we've got Wicket. Yeah. Um, but like an actual pet that you have to really pay a lot of attention to and train yeah. properly I've no, I've never had a pet like that before yeah I've had cats and rabbits before when I was younger but they were more I mean I like my cats and rabbits but you know I wasn't that fussed when I was a teenager so 
What's their second question? What advice would you give to a new dog owner? Uh, first of all, research, research, research. That's the main <laughs> thing. Don't get a dog on a whim. Some people do, and it works out fine. But different dog breeds generally have certain more common characteristics. Like beagles, for example, I think have the strongest sense of smell, so they're the most likely to rifle through your bins. They also... Um, one of the, the dogs that are more likely to get separation anxiety. So, But there's other dogs, you know, like Staffies have got a bad name, even though there are plenty of lovely Staffies. But you have to be aware that there's a... I don't know if it's true, but it seems like there's a higher percentage of Staffies that can become aggressive if they're not trained right. And obviously, if Willow was really aggressive, she, she can't really kill any humans. It'd be very difficult. I don't know. I reckon she could give it a fair shot. She'd try, but it'd be a lot easier to fend off Willow than it would be, say... But it, it just you know, depends on what you're... What you want. What you, you have want. to look at your lifestyle, because all different dogs have different yeah, walking things. Like Husky's two hours of exercise, whereas yeah. Greyhound is like 15 minutes of sprinting and it's done. My main thing is, if you're getting a puppy, it's... It's fucking hard. Oh, like, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I knew it was going to be hard when we got a puppy. I, I understood the fact that it would be challenging. I did not realize how difficult it would be. Yeah. Like, we got Willow two days after I broke up from school. So I had the whole of the summer holidays. We, yeah, I had the whole of the summer holidays. That's six weeks. So, yeah, for me, it was six weeks to, like, essentially be there with her and train it. I, 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 I lost my summer holidays, more yeah. or less, because a lot of my time was making sure that the dog was okay. She couldn't be left for too long. We were having to get up every two hours in the night to take her to the toilet because we didn't use puppy pads. We took her straight out onto the grass. And it was it was a, a heavy ride. Well, pu- puppies also don't have any bladder control up to a certain time. So if you get them at eight weeks, like most people do, there's still several more weeks before they actually can control their bladder. It depends because so sometimes, sometimes the groomers can start training them, but I don't... Yeah. Um, not groomers, the, the, breeders, the breeders, but I yeah. don't know whether our breeder did or not. Yeah, so. but it's one of those things where, I mean, I think she was on puppy pads because like, there were so many dogs, weren't there? So it was like, yeah, yeah, so I think they were just pads. But it, Willow's really easygoing, didn't have many accidents, but you have yeah, to... It's one of those things... Loads of people say to us, well, everyone says to us, Willow is such a well-trained dog. She's so nice. Da-da. And we always say we're really lucky, but you know, part of it is because Willow's great. But also a lot of it is you have to really, those first two months, you have to put in so much effort. Mm. You have to. And it's if a- you do, it work, like now, it's so much easier dealing with her because she doesn't really have accidents. If she needs the toilet, she'll tap on the stair gate that yeah. goes to the kitchen. We say, do you need to go to the toilet? She'll go over to the stair gate, do a little spin, and then we know that. So there's little things we know, and you have to really pay attention to body language. My favourite thing is, is just... Uh, it's consistency. You have to be. You have to be consistent yes. when you are training a dog. When you get a new dog, Especially even as partners, you have to make sure. You're well, both yeah, thing. yeah. Like even even if you get like well, any dog, any dog that you get into your household, mm-hmm. you have to be consistent with it. And it just makes me laugh because I always think back to when Pete and Ricky came over. Um, So we read a book called Easy Peasy Puppy Squeezy by Steve Mann. Um, And it was like recommended by other people. I I think I put a picture on Facebook and a couple of other people have been like, oh, we've read that book. And I looked online at reviews and stuff like that. But one of the things in there is that like puppies nip because, you know, they're puppies. And And their their teeth are so fucking sharp. So when they do it... In the book, you say too bad and then you leave the room. Yeah. Um, and then you have, like, allow the dog time to have that, like, composure to, like, reset. And then you can go back in with a fresh, like, <laughs> like a fresh, what am I well, trying to say? Well, you give them time. And you then, give them time to reset. And then you notice but, that, they, so they have the association of nip, too bad, they're alone. Yeah, but... 
I remember when our friends Pete and Ricky came over and I think she nipped Mike first. You so he standard. was like, he was like, too bad, left the room. And then I think she nipped Pete. And then I was like, right, I'm really sorry, but you're going to, you're going to have to say too bad and leave the room. Cause like, that's what we're doing. Um, so he did that and then she nipped me and I was like, okay, too bad. And left the room. And then Ricky was just sat on the armchair cowering with his legs up. Because he didn't want to get nipped and he couldn't be bothered to stand up and leave the room. So he was just sat there in the room by himself for like two minutes because we all had to say too bad and leave. Yeah, yeah. And it's also, you have to really set boundaries. That's a big thing. Like, for example, we allow Willow to go upstairs only if we're upstairs and for short periods of time. But that's our choice. That's our choice. Some people let dogs sleep in the bed with them. Yeah. That's absolutely fine if that's what they want to do. Yeah, but you've got to make sure, like with boundaries as well, you also can't just, if you hear them crying a lot, you can't just cave to that you know you have to you have to be aware of what crying is doing what kind of is it doing it for attention or is it doing it because um the dog needs to go to the toilet or something like now willow will occasionally cry if we're both downstairs and we go upstairs and leave her down she'll cry a little bit but then she'll generally be fine but if she cries if in the middle her, of the night then she needs she the needs toilet to the and we put her in her crate or normally when we bring food out she just knows to go straight into her crate door open and everything but she just goes in there just because we don't want her around um, us eating and stuff but Occasionally, if she eats quite, if she eats, we leave her in the crate just for 10, 15 minutes or 20 minutes just to get the food down. Cause if she runs around and gets really excited, she'll puke. <laughs> so we'll put her in there, but sometimes we'll put her in there and she'll stay in there for a while. And then if she starts to cry quite a lot, if she, she'll whimper once or twice sometimes, but if she cries a lot, then it means, okay, she needs the loot. She needs a shit. Yeah. yeah, normally, yeah. So it's it's one of those, you have to pay attention, you have to be on the same page, you have to set boundaries, and you have to be consistent. But also, don't feel pressured into doing what other people tell you to do. Like, right. if you're following a specific system, like, for example, crate training, mm-hmm. I'm, like, on Facebook, I'm part of a couple of cockapoo pages just to, like, see a cute pictures of dogs, but also, <laughs> like any advice or anything that gets put on there it's really interesting reading the comments because some people are so judgmental mm-hmm. and uh like self-righteous aren't they? self-righteous about what the correct method of raising a dog is it's the same again of like having kids like it it's just ridiculous like we've crate trained a lot of people don't agree with crate training it works for our dog it doesn't necessarily work for all dogs and if that's what you want to do then that's fantastic if that's not what you want to do then that's fantastic. But like, if you're following a system, don't feel pressured to change it because other people are trying to make you. And also don't feel pressured to give in to other people. Like if you're saying, oh, she's not allowed treats or he's not allowed treats or they can't come out of the crate until they're quiet, then stick with your guns because it's your fucking dog. <laughs> yeah, and you're the one who's going to be living with it and you're the one who's going to be dealing with the dog. It's like I've had friends come over and they've heard Willow cry in the crate because she's just being whingy and she needs a nap. She's overtired. And they're like, oh, but she she wants to be with us. Like, just let her out. She's sad. I'm like, she's not fucking sad. And also, if I pander to that behavior, then it's going to become more frequent. So and whenever, it's consistency. And whenever we do that as well, we've, sometimes people, you know, we say, just ignore her for a sec. She, anytime she's whinging in the crate. She falls asleep. She falls asleep. When it's whinging, not proper crying. But yeah, and also do research as in if you, and if you look at a website and something seems a bit odd, always cross-reference. Don't just go one website, everything's yeah, right. Yeah, that's go, the problem is there's an overwhelming amount of information on the internet. Yeah, so. but Easy Peasy Puppy Squeezy is a really good book. And I did a lot of research on that as well and some of the key points in that and other research has backed it up. So yeah, thank you, buddy pet. I know I said I wouldn't thank everyone, but you know, family. <laughs> 
Okay, the next ones are from Tony Farina. Not Tony. Tony. Oh, the nicest guy ever. So it's indie, comic spotlight, and also author of Welcome to Mansfield. Mm, I should um, have had it with me, actually, to show, but oh well. <laughs> I'm not going to I'm not going to edit it in. I'm not going to do that. Um, so uh, how do you feel the show changed once you and Megan got together? Um, I did a... Okay, so my podcasting career, I did a lot less guest spots. So... When I was first podcasting, I was trying to do a guest spot every week or so. Mm. And I've said before, like, if me and Megan hadn't got together and I was single, my entire quality of life would be lower, but I'd probably be on way more podcasts because I would just fill my time with it. But the show itself, I mean, I think that being with you has made me more empathetic and has made me less argumentative and it's just improved me as a person and made me a better listener and things like that. So I think that the conversational style has improved both from podcasting and having to listen to myself talk when I'm editing. But also, because I now want to spend much more time with you, I like doing the podcast recording, and then I like releasing it, but it's the editing and the writing show notes and all that jazz that's the boring stuff. And what I used to do when we were first together, I was so anal. It would take me like three hours to edit, because I would edit every single second. and Yeah, and it would kill like several hours every Sunday. Um, So what I started to do is work smarter, basically. I would take more notes when I'm recording so that I could just look at things when I'm in the editing, I can just go, okay, there's a gap, there's a gap, there's a gap. And I've got a note here, here, and here that I need to edit out this cough or this or that or whatever. So it just made me utilize certain skills better. It's made me improve things. And it's made me want to invest less time in the elements of podcasting I don't like and more times living my life in the other elements of podcasting I do like. But also certain people we've had on have been somewhat influenced by yourself like I've spoken to more teachers I have more of an interest in like uh, Europe and other cultures and things like that and obviously I'm learning Italian so there's different I've grown as a person I have more interests and because of you obviously there's uh, RuPaul's Drag Race which means I know more about the LGBTQ plus community from a certain perspective obviously certain friends of yours as well Getting Willow probably wouldn't have got Wicket either. So there's lots of elements of even like, though that even though Wicket came from your uncle and aunt. Yeah, but you wanted the tortoise and I wasn't fast. So there's lots of elements of my life and traveling and stuff like that. So I think I'm more of a well-rounded person as a podcaster since we've been together. I think. Um, yeah, on to the the next one, I guess. Would you have your mum on as a guest? I don't know. I have a suspicion she might listen to this for for a while. And if she is, hi, mum. Because for a while, she didn't really listen to any of my podcasts. And then she listened to the one about where me and my brother spoke about my dad. I think that was episode, God, 30-something. It was a while ago. It was released on Father's Day. Um, And then there was one or two more. And she's taken more of an interest in some of the episodes about grief and loss and things like that. So I wouldn't necessarily be opposed to it. But it would just depend on, A, if she would want to. And also, B what the context of the conversation would be like would it just be how i was when i was a child is is that would people want to hear that because it sounds quite self-indulgent and i'm like my kind of thing with podcasting is trying to make other people hi i'm an all right host these people are super interesting let's put a spotlight on them although this q a is very self-indulgent but i try and put some of the spotlight on megan so i, I would i mean if mum really wants to if she's listening to this and is like <laughs> i want to be on the show then in a few months time you'll probably see her pop up but i haven't got an op- opposition to it it's just that I try not to have too many people who I know outside of podcasting necessarily on because the first year of my podcasting career, I did that. And then also, I want a variety of things to talk about. I like a variety. Like, I wish I could talk to, about Star Wars every single episode, but that it's not a Star Wars podcast, so I can't. So I try and keep it so that the guests are different each time. And I'm not sure if my mum and I 
like what we would necessarily talk about apart from it being me. Oh, it's the fly, fruit fly. Yum, yum. Uh, so, yeah. Who is the guest you haven't gotten that you really, really, really want? So, the main person that I want on the podcast Mark more than Hamill. anyone else. I mean, that would be a dream, but no, I don't think he's ever really been on a podcast. He, he's like unattainable. Like, no, everyone wants Mark Hamill. He's unobtainium. <laughs> nice. Um, but my actual number one podcast guest is Sam Witwer. Uh, so, he is a, he's an actor, but he is in Star Wars quite a lot. So, my main, my Star Wars tattoo, my Force Unleashed one, video people are going to be able to see it. Uh, this one here, oh god. So it's like the cover, it's the cover of the Force Unleashed um, video game, which was my favourite styles video game, probably still is. It's a game that I didn't hear of, and then my dad bought it for me um, on a whim. And so it reignited my love of Star Wars. He plays Starkiller slash Galen Merrick. He does all the motion capture for it. And then outside of those games, he does the voice work for Darth Maul in uh, Clone Wars and Rebels, and when he's in video games and stuff. He's done a huge amount of voice work. He knows more about Star Wars than most people on Earth. He's one trivia competitions he, he actually beat molly and alex and star was explained mm. he beat them at one of the trivia competitions or beat alex rather um like many many years ago so he knows more about star wars than some star wars youtubers and i just want to meet him like if he was at a convention or something i'd get a photo op and things like that because he is my favorite personality in all of star wars and he's like my number one and i do have a friend who did send me the details of his agent a while ago but i can't I've only got one chance and my podcast has to be as big as it can be and as appealing it can be to try and do that. And because he doesn't appear on that many other podcasts, if I try and approach him now with the audience I have, which is, you know, all of you guys are lovely, you know, thousands of views, that's amazing. But if I can get up to the heights of tens of thousands of views on every single episode or even more than that, then have more of a reason for him to come on to promote whatever he's doing then I could do that. So Sam Whitworth is my number one of everyone. If you had to have me, if you had to have a guest on my show, would you have anyone that you'd really want me to talk to? If I had to have any anyone. Like if I if we had a if I had a podcast and you sat in with me while I spoke with them. Emma Stone. Emma Stone is a good one. I bloody love Emma Stone. <laughs> she is she is Oh Bo Burnham would be my as well yeah. Bo Burnham or Sam Witwer would be my top two I think Bo Burnham is a legit genius and I think he's one of the most important people of our generation when it comes to creative media and I think he's one of the funniest and one of the most talented so Bo Burnham and Sam Witwer would be mine Emma, yeah Emma Stone or probably people in your girl gang wouldn't it most <laughs> yeah <laughs> no everyone's gonna know what my girl gang is no. my girl gang is just like famous celebrities that are female that I would have in my gang so Emma Stone would be in there Melissa McCarthy uh, Amy Poehler would be in my girl gang Anna Kendrick Anna Kendrick would be in my girl gang um, I, the problem is, is I'm really bad at remembering people's names and it does change depending um, on your mood I think Taylor Swift would be in my girl gang yeah yeah but it's just a group of of people. Oh, Maya Rudolph, Rudolph would yeah. be. <laughs> you love Maya Rudolph, yeah. Uh, yeah. I tell you what, I, I would love to. This would never happen as well, but I'd love to talk to like Paul Rudd as well. I mean, there's loads of. Oh, bi- uh, yeah, I th- love Paul Rudd. There's loads of actors that I would like to talk to, but it's also part of me is like I, I've been leaning off getting as many musicians on because I find that it's so hard to ask unique questions to musicians in certain ways because musicians hate being asked where do you get your band name from, what genre do you class yourself as, who are your major influences. Like everyone asks the same questions and I try my best to listen to other podcasts people have done and not repeat the same questions. But when you're talking to a musician, there's only a finite amount of questions you can ask. So there's a lot of musicians I, I would like to talk to, but yeah, I, d- I don't 
I don't know specifically, but yeah, Bo Burnham and Sam Witwer, they would be, if I got those two on the podcast, not at once, that'd be a very confusing thing. If I had both of them on my podcast, I would say that's bucket list stuff. But being able to speak to a lot of the people I've spoken to, including a lot of the Star Wars authors, has been incredible. Um, yeah, I think there's a question about my favourite guests later on, so I'll delve into that when we get there. Is that all of Tony's questions? Yeah. Fantastic. Okay, now we've got Frank Burton from Ragbag Presents. Given the choice, who would your ideal guests... No, that's not right. Given the choice, who would be your ideal guests and what would be your chances of getting them in the next 200 episodes? So I put this one right under that and I also forgot to put on the notes that because Tony Farina, Indie Comic Spotlight and author of Welcome to Mansfield, Frank Burton, no relation to me, is also the author of um, the Ragbag World, the Ragbag Universe. So there's and the most recent one that I tackled on the podcast was Welcome to Brollywood, which we did last year. And he's got more coming out as well. So all fun there. Um, but who'd be my ideal guests? So, so ideal guests that I'm thinking at the moment my kind of reasonable goal is trying to get every High Republic author on my show so I've obviously had Kevin Scott on there and I've had um, Claudia Gray I'm trying to get more of them on there um, but people like Charles Saul are so hard to get because trying to contact Disney if your show isn't a certain size they won't necessarily going through the Disney channels is so difficult I've not really every person I've had on I've tried to get on via Disney because I've got a Disney contact and they just either don't respond or they take months or whatever so I normally just have to go through the author's website and read their other content that's not Star Wars and got on that also George Mann sorry he was my most recent one from the High Republic so I think all the High Republic authors is my goal for the next 200 episodes I think it is possible but the show needs to continue to grow as it has been to really achieve that they're probably the ones that are yeah the most achievable but in the next 200 episodes i mean that's like another six years so you know we'll see yeah okay now we've got blake biles from comics and motion slash vs vhs strikes back which topic or topics would you like to cover that you haven't already so there's a lot of religious topics I want to cover. So I've obviously had Radhika Rao on the show a couple of times to talk about Buddhism. Um, I've had uh, Tonya Todd and BZ The Voice on to talk about uh, their religions, which are different, but they are they have similar beats to elements of Christianity. So I've t- tackled that. I really want to speak to people about Islam. I would like to talk to people more in depth about some of the other religions as well. I'm just quite intrigued about uh, religions. Uh, other topics... It's a hard one. I do have like a list of of topics. Like I want to speak to a trans individual because I've not, I've not, I don't think I've met anyone who's trans. So like, like properly. So I'd really be interested to talk to them. I know someone that is, but I haven't spoken to them since they've transitioned. Yeah. And I wouldn't want it. Not because of that. (laughs) It's just like, they weren't my friend. They were a few years below me at school. So I knew them from school. And then I found out later on. Yep. That that had happened. <laughs> yes, because obviously I've had people on speak about their experience being a member of the LGBTQ plus community, primarily being homosexuals. I've had uh, Heather Vickery on the show. I had my friend Steve on the show. And I've had other individuals of the LGBTQ plus community. But I think it's trans individuals, someone who is trans, and get like a first-hand experience hearing from them. Um, and then one of the other ones was going to be someone who's gone through cancer, but I've actually recorded an episode of that, which will, I think should be the next episode out with our friend Jenna. And then the other one is, yeah, certain religions. Um, I know that Blake, he's uh, got a degree in psychology or a element of psychology, and I'm going to have him on the show at some point to talk about that. So it's, it's really just the deep dives into the sciences or the religions that I haven't yet tackled on my show, I think are the main ones. Hmm. I don't know how to read this question. 
Maybe something you've wanted to get from the start and something you never would have thought of from the beginning, but have developed an interest in over the course of the podcast. Yeah, so it links with the topic. So what topic have I wanted to get from the start and something I never would have thought of from the beginning, but have developed an interest in because of doing the podcast? Right. So what topics from the start? I mean, most of the topics from the start I have tackled, but ones that I wouldn't thought I'd be as interested in, I think is religion. I've always had an interest in religion, but years ago I was more against religion as a whole, especially organized ones. I was hyper-focusing on all the negative. So I think that opening my mind to that has really helped. And then also just like authors, I think. I I really like hearing about the process of how every author writes books and stuff differently. I I really appreciate that. So I I think those are the two two main ones there. Uh, This is is more of a left-field fun one. Last one (laughs) from Blake. And then after this, I think I'm going to have to go get changed because I'm dying. That's okay. I am so uncomfortable. Your first costume change. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which animal or breed would each of you choose if you were to be pet companions to Willow? It could be in a homeward-bound adventure context, super pets with powers, or just chillaxing in normal life. So let's do two. Let's do one with superpowers and one without. So without, I think I know what you would be, but if I say it, it sounds offensive. You're going to say pig? Yeah. Yeah, I'd be a pig. Yeah. I love pigs. Yeah. I'd either be a pig or a goat. The thing is with me is that when most people describe me when I meet new people is as a puppy. You are like a puppy. That's, I'm like a, a golden retriever or a Labrador. You'd probably be a golden retriever. I think yeah. I'd be a pig. Like, <laughs> which makes it sound like I'm being mean, but I fucking love pigs. Yeah. Um, not my birthday this year, but my birthday last year, my mum took me to a micro pig well, there's not really such a thing as a micro pig, They're but baby you, pigs. like small pigs. But like, um, she took me to a, a pig farm, and I got to spend a, a couple of hours cuddling and brushing pigs, and I was in my element. I got to cuddle pigs that were like two weeks old. Um, yeah, I think, I'd be a piggy. I think I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind being a meerkat either, because oh, I yeah, think you I, love a meerkat. I, I love meerkats. What about and a ferret. I love like meerkats for otters. Yeah, you'd I'd be an otter. Be, uh, an otter would be... I love... Otters, ferrets, and meerkats for me. Like what a weird eclectic bunch. It'll be Willow, a pig, and an otter. Yeah, but that would be a cool show. I mean, now it's making me think of very, very minor spoilers, but we won't say about it, but the otter in Guardians 3. That's a very, very sad film. <laughs> I mean, that's kind of a spoiler, no? But no. <laughs> not, I wouldn't say that's a, that's a spoiler. But you saying that's a spoiler is making it more of a spoiler <laughs> than me just saying... Spoiler! Spoiler! <laughs> Um, that's a reference to our Patreon whenever we do uh, spoiler reviews. But yeah, I think I'd be an otter with no superpowers. With superpowers, I mean, I probably just want to... It sounds lame, but I'd probably then just be like a bird or something. I, like, the idea of flying is really cool. So, like an eagle or whatever. But then, like, superpowers properly, like, super speed and things like that. Like, I wouldn't mind being like a narwhal. You're quite limited to... That's like being Aquaman. Like, you're quite limited yourself. Or a manatee. That's also still quite limited. Yeah, but I love water. <laughs> Have you seen a manatee on land? Yeah. <laughs> They're not very fast. Um, Don't need to be fast, mate. Nor those tusks. <laughs> no. Or a walrus. What about an elephant, but has the speed of the flash? <laughs> no, I'd hate that. That's horrible. Um, yeah, I think... It's hard with superpowers, because I'm... I always, if I could use any superpower, it would be time manipulation. What if we were three little dogs? Right. And we all had our own... We were like basically like the Powerpuff Girls. I think if Willow had... all doggies. I think if Willow had a superpower, she would have super speed. If it's to like what your personality is, she would have super speed. My bark would be one of those supersonic ones where it goes like... It breaks glass, makes people deaf. 
you know, it can like send out a call yeah, and people yeah, across yeah, the when world. You see can it in the it. cartoon, you yeah, see the, like the ripples. ripples. Yeah, that would be mine. What would mine be? Um, I mean, I'm thinking about like cooking and stuff like that. No, you. No, I tell you what, if, super chef. No, no, you'd be able to talk to every animal, all humans, and everything. You would have. Oh, you'd be like the thingy fish, the baby. It's funny. Fish. It's funny you should say that because one of my students the other yesterday asked me, "Would you rather be?" masterful in every single language or have $500,000 given to you or 500,000 pounds given to you right now. And I was like, oh. <laughs> well, I, I choose the 500,000. Although I, I said mastery of languages. Although I like that idea because I thought if I, if I had a genie lamp um, and I had a certain amount of wishes, I think in three, I wouldn't choose all languages, but if I had loads of wishes, um, like five or ten. Right, greedy. I know. I, w- I would choose being able to communicate with every human on Earth. I-, I would love to be able to understand every language, read every language, and speak every language. But the only reason I would choose the 500 grand over that is because the 500 grand could pay off our mortgage and we could basically go down to part-time for a decent chunk of the rest of our lives. Because half a mil, we'd pay off the mortgage here, we'd maybe even invest... About it too practically. We'd maybe even invest in a second property and live off that. And that would mean that we could travel. If you and I could just speak every language tomorrow... Unless we had a major career change. Mate, if I could speak every single fucking language, I'd be able to work for like... I'd be a spy. But then I would never see you and you wouldn't see Willow. You would still see me. What if you were a spy? We're going yeah. to other countries. Don't have to go to other countries to be a spy. How would you spy on people speaking other languages in the comfort of your own home? Because I'm a super spy. Right. I, I would love to speak every language, but I, with our life right now, if we could just suddenly do that, unless we changed our careers, we wouldn't be able to utilise it. Like, we can't even go on a holiday until, like, next year. Well, I could utilise languages in my career. But you say... Utilise them every single fucking day, I do. Yeah, but you say that you don't want to be, like, a translator or anything. Yeah, but if I knew... If I was fluent in every single language, Hmm. I'd be a bloody translator. To be fair, I'd probably go into archaeology or something. Like, if I'm... Because then you could read lost languages. And we're not even just talking about fluent... This is mastery of languages, like... Yeah, I don't even know the mastery of English. (laughs) No. (laughs) This is mastery of all languages. Yes, I would be a translator or an interpreter because it would be bloody easy if you were masterful in every single language. That's a good point. Yeah, I think I'd choose... Ar- bloody loaded, mate. I think I'd choose archaeologists and things like that and I'd be able to go and read like all yeah, but these that's dead just, languages. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah, but there's more to it than just languages and archaeology. No, but I, would, I wouldn't become an archaeologist and with a brush and digging up stuff, but I mean like I would go and if anyone needed someone to decrypt something or anything like that you would be able to just be fluid in anything it'd be like when you find those tribes and there's only like a thousand yeah but it depends it depends when you say mastery of all languages is this all languages or is it all modern languages all languages now or every language ever yeah like are you going to be able to read hieroglyphics immediately are you going to be able to read Mayan like Hmm. well technically people do still speak Mayan yeah I know that yeah but like it is definitely interesting I, I I don't I don't know, because our entire... But to be fair, podcasting, I could talk to anyone in every language. Could have Monoskin on. That'd be cool. They could sp- have Monoskin on anyway, because I speak Italian. No, I, <laughs> And they, they speak English. They speak English, yeah. But <laughs> when you speak to someone in the native language, you're probably more likely to get them as a guest. But I think that's a nice tangent. You could almost do a whole podcast on that. Mm. Good question, Blake. They've all been good questions, but that was a really good one. Yeah. And I'm now going to go get changed. So I'm going to have to s- scoot out. Well, I'll make a note of it, and I'll just sit here and stare at the camera like Hi guys. Bye. I'm so bloody hot. You're so bloody hot. I'm going to die. <laughs> <laughs> I'm laughing. And we're back with a costume change. Hello. We said it was really hot, so... I'm still hot. Seems like Megan's moved slightly as well. Wow. I haven't. 
There we go. It's ever so slightly. There we go. Um, yeah, so we're back. Um, so we've just done Blake's questions. So now on to... Spider-Dan and the secret boars. Mm. Apart from Visitor Q, <laughs> what's the weirdest film Megan has ever seen? I know the answer to this. I feel like this is one of those things that I should have been able to see in advance, because I don't know on the top of my head. I know head. what it is. What? Um, Enemy. That wasn't... I don't even remember that film. There was a film called Enemy that's got Jake Gyllenhaal in it, and the ending of it is really, really weird. But, like, a consistently weird film throughout. Sorry to bother you. Oh, yeah, I fucking hated that film. I love that yeah, film yeah. so much. It's sorry one of my favourites. Probably sorry to bother you. It's not the same level of weird at all. No. There are probably many it's other surreal. films that I find weird, but I can't really think of any off the top of my head, which is why I probably should have looked at these in advance. I'm sorry. Um, but Sorry to Bother You is probably up there with weird movies. Hmm. The Box was quite weird. I've never seen that. That's the one that's got... Cameron Diaz in it I think that's what it's called isn't that The Room no I think it's called The Box I was going to say The Room the Tommy Wiseau film that's one of the weirdest films ever but you love that film I do like that film see there's no one no one understands the consistency of Megan's weirdness she loves The Room but hates other weird films but likes other ones that are weird did I say her name was Cameron Diaz Cameron Diaz her name (laughs) yeah The Box oh yeah she's in a film called Panic Room I think so yeah that film was weird. Is that the one with the button where it kills someone? And yeah, then... yeah. So basically, it's it's for very briefly. So it came out in two thousand and nine, and I saw it in the cinema. So obviously, this is a lot for me to remember, <laughs> um, which says enough about the film that I remember it being weird. It's basically about a box. It's like a social experiment where they get given a box and it's got a button, and they can either choose to press it, and then either they get money or something good happens to them, but somebody that they don't know dies i think um and then it's like how the effects the effects of it work out and it's not quite what it seems i suppose but that was quite a weird film Mm -hmm. um yeah then whatever you said i mean i try not generally not to show you too many films that are too weird um but it's like you find like isle of dogs really weird Whereas I don't think that's a weird film. Yeah, but that's because I don't like the animation. Oh, Coraline you don't like. Oh, I fucking hate Coraline. Because I love Coraline. That's really weird. I don't like Coraline. Absolute favourites. I love Coraline. Um, See, it kind of depends. Megan doesn't like creepy weird, and you don't like twisty weird. You don't like it when it seems like something's going in one way and then a a really offbeat thing happens. Yeah, like, for example... But then you like The Good Place, which is really weird again. Very minor spoiler for the end of season one of The Good Place, but the whole dynamic of the show changes. Yeah, but that's not weird. You don't think The Good Place is weird? I think that's smart. I think it's smart, but I think it's smart and weird. I don't think weird means not smart. No, but that's that's different. That's not the same. Mm. I, I don't like things that are abnormal. <laughs> um, you like me, though. <laughs> yeah. But, like, for example, Knowing, the film with Nicolas Cage in it. Yes. I really enjoyed that movie up until the point... This right is a end. spoiler. It's quite an old film, so... It's a fairly old film. Um... I mean, it's not that old, but like... It's over enough. 10 years old. So. Um, up until the aliens came. And then I was like, oh, this is fucking ridiculous. Yeah. I remember being in the cinema and we, I was sat next to my friend Becky. And I was like, if aliens turn up in this, I'm going to be absolutely fuming. And then aliens turned up and I was just like, oh, come on. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Because I haven't, I haven't shown you many of the weird Japanese films. Because I've got like a film called like Machine Girl that's quite weird. 
Um, I've got, I've seen like verses. That's a cool film, but that's weird. But then it also depends on like what level of weird I, I can. To be I, fair, the first time I watched the Book of Life, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" Really? Yeah. Wow. Because of the animation. Is it also is the Book of Life the one where? Oh no, I was thinking of Nightmare. I was thinking of like a guy, the mayor, that's head spins around. But that's you don't really like Tim Burton stuff much, do you? Um. And that's kind of weird. What Tim Burton stuff have I seen? I've seen Nightmare, Nightmare, and Nightmare, Nightmare Before Christmas isn't. Well, I mean, it's not it, a Tim Burton movie. Well, it is. It's, I know that it technically. T- Tim is, Burton but... presented it, produced it, and wrote it, but technically, someone else directed it. His name completely escapes me. But the person who directed it is the person who directed Coraline. Um. Yeah. I've so I've seen Nightmare Before Christmas. I've seen the. I've seen Sweeney Todd. That was Tim Burton. Yeah, I'm not a fan of that film. Um, I've seen the Alice in Wonderland movies. I find yeah. them kind of weird. I don't like Helen Bottom Carter's head in, in those. <laughs> yeah. um, and also the director is uh, Henry Selick. Right. Um, yeah. I think that's probably anyway, covered the weirdness. that's me rambling that. Um, what's the most interesting thing one of your guests has ever told you? It's funny. I looked at this question and I tried to think of what my answer would be. And it's kind of hard because most interesting is a weird one. I think one of the conversations I've had that stood out the most to me was my conversation with the puppeteer Michael McCormick, which that is actually one of my all-time favorite conversations. But I think there's a question about that a little bit later. Um, but he he's a puppeteer um, for – he worked with Jim Henson and he did a little bit of stuff on Dark Crystal, but he did a lot of stuff on Labyrinth. And he also worked on Return of the Jedi because the Jim Henson company worked with um, Lucasfilm. And he created the character Silicious Crumb, which is the Kowakian monkey lizard in Jabba's palace. It's all like cackly and like <laughs> that thing. He created that. Um, so speaking to him was incredibly interesting and hearing all about that. And also like there's a, there's a puppet show that's popular in Europe, not as much anymore, but it's Punch and Judy. And anyone in England will remember that from like seaside towns like Weymouth and things like that. Well, he's the only member of the Punch and Judy Society in America. He's the only because they just don't have it over there. So I think speaking to him was just really interesting because he's an older gentleman. He's in his 80s, I think. And he's so well read and so interesting. So pretty much anything he said was really cool. And if you watch the YouTube version of that, he actually shows me some puppets that were used in the film Labyrinth. He literally, you can, you remember them on screen and stuff. So I think him, and another one is probably... Oh, that's a weird film that I didn't like. Dark Crystal. Dark Crystal. I yeah. Fuck it. Yeah, I really didn't like that. I'll tell you, I didn't like Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> that's a weird film. To but you fair, liked yeah. that more than I did. And I'm like, how? It's, it makes no sense. After half an hour, after the big... There's no logic to what I like and don't like. After the big song that time warp skips again or whatever it is yeah the the, yeah the main song after that point it just goes completely off the rails and nothing makes any sense dark crystal that would probably be one of the weirdest films that i've seen aside from visiting what are they called the oh god the skeksis the the skeksis the skeksis the skeksis skeksis yeah yeah that's quite a i hated them quite a weird film um (laughs) But yeah, I think, and the other w- most interesting thing is probably, this is arguably one of my most known episodes, which was episode 52, when I spoke with um, the Magister Bill from the Church of Satan, um, because I found out that the Church of Satan is actually an atheist group, and it's kind of a tongue-in-cheek nod at, or poke at religion, and I just found it interesting talking to them about, or him, about the you know, misconceptions, what the church is actually about, and that stuff. So it's probably a combination of those two, but probably Michael McCormick was, I mean, most... I've taken something from most guests I've had, but obviously where this is the 200th episode, I think I've spoken to like 100 and 
20 Can odd tell different us people. one interesting fact that every single guest has. We'd be here all day. <laughs> so. Um, so now we're moving on to math from Rebels Reviewed and Comics in Motion guest. Um, <laughs> he's a common he's guest, a guest from Comics on Comics in Motion. Motion this does, is why Mike should have given me this sheet before, making me bloody read But he it. also does Rebels Reviewed with myself and Dave. So. so did you imagine that genuine chit chat would still be going six years on? And where do you see yourself six years from now? Um, I, when I first started, I wasn't overly sure. I did my YouTube show with my friend Reese, and Reese was on the first episode of Genuine Chitcha and the hundredth, I think. Um, I did the YouTube show with him in college, and I think that lasted two or three years, but it was very inconsistent with releases. I didn't really know. I had something I've described as the pull, or it just felt right doing the podcast, and I wanted to do it for as long as I could, but. You know, a lot of the time one thinks, oh, this is going to be amazing. I'm going to put all my eggs in one basket. And then after six months or so, you give up. Like, I think it's something mad. Like, over half of all podcasts die in the first, like, month or month and a half or a few months. And then the remaining 50%, I think, like, 30% of them die in the subsequent six months. And I think that only, like, 10% or 5% of podcasts actually last past, I think, it's two years. So... I, I wouldn't say I expected to last six years, but I'm quite committed to a lot of stuff. So it's like the only reason the YouTube show didn't continue with Reese is because Reese somewhat no, I'm not trying to throw shade at Reese, I love Reese, but Reese kinda of lost interest. Fuck you, Reese. And he kinda of lost interest a little bit, and it was a lot of work. Like we spent hours writing the show and then edited it and then filming it, and then I edited it and released it. Um and then seeing the music videos. So I don't know if I knew it was going to last six years. And do I think, where do I see myself six years on? Um, I don't know. I hope I'm going to still be podcasting. I'd, I'd like to think I'll do this potentially forever, but where myself and Megan, like things take precedent. So where with myself and Megan, you know, we're getting married next year. And then the year after that, we're going to start trying for kids and those sorts of things. If that goes well, when we have kids, obviously I'm not going to be able to spend the same amount of time podcasting as I do now. Yeah, you're not getting away with that. No. So what's probably, I've already thought about it. What I'm probably going to do then is rein in Styles, Comics and Canon and probably only do that like once every couple of weeks or maybe even once a month. And then Genuine Chit Chat, that will be... Genuine Chit Chat will stay a lot longer than Styles, Comics, and Canon, I'd say. I, Styles, Comics, and Canon... Well, it's the OG, isn't it? It's the original. Well, it's the thing I get the most out of. It's the thing that I find is the most satisfying to do, and it's the thing that I learn the most from and grow as a person the most from. So, yeah, I think I'll still be doing it. Yeah. What do you feel podcasting has given you? It's helped with my mental health a lot. Um, it's kept me busy. It's got given me a goal. I always need to be doing something creative. Um, it's helped me communicate with so many incredible people, including a lot of the people who've supplied these questions are like friends of mine. Some of my best friends in the world now are people I met through podcasting. We've had people stay with us like Spider Dan. We've met up with people when we go to America. Yeah. Like Rhea, when we go to and Scott, when we go to America, we're going to be oh, yeah, uh, meeting loads of people. Ashby de la Zouche. Yes, that's where we met Scott. Um, <laughs> so the friendships are definitely the most important thing, but as as an individual, I've just become a much better conversationalist. I think I listen a lot more uh, and I've just become a lot more receptive to ideas I don't necessarily agree with. Cool. Any subject you either have turned down or wouldn't do? Yes. So sport is something I've barely touched on the show, mainly because I don't really care about sport, to be blunt. it, it Sport and cars are probably the only two subjects in the world I really don't care about. Um, so... If the right person wanted to talk to me about sport or cars, I'd probably have them on. But because my whole thing is I have an approximate knowledge of most things, I can hold a conversation on most topics. With sport, I, I couldn't. I can't even name like ten famous people in 
in the entire world right now who are sports people. I reckon you could. I can't. I could. Is Tim Henman? Is he still a tennis Tim player? Tim Henman. Is he still? Oh no, it's Andy something or other. Fuck off, Tim Henman. It's, it's Andy something or other, isn't it? Now, the the Scottish guy. Yeah. What's his name? Oh my gosh. See, this is what I mean. Um, Tiger, People are going to be screaming at us. Tiger Woods came out of retirement, so I know him. I think he's out of retirement. But I know Lewis Hamilton. I think he's still an F1 Formula 1 driver. Um, I couldn't name a single rugby player. Or- Andy Murray. There you go. I couldn't name a single rugby player or even a rugby team that's not the country. Um, football players, I only know them probably from, from Ted Lasso. Like ac- actual active football players now, I, I couldn't name 10, I don't think. Lionel Messi. Is he still going? He's the GOAT. Right, is he? I thought Ronaldo. Nah, nah. I thought Cristiano Ronaldo was... fucking love Lionel Messi. I don't know. But it's just, uh, as I said, I know so little. I like playing sport. I used to play in a school football team. I love badminton, dodgeball. I I like playing most sport. I just don't... I just hate watching it, to be honest with you. I find it so dull. Megan had to really twist my arm to get me to watch the Euros final when it was England against Italy. I mean, I don't care about football either, but I wanted to watch the Euro finals because kids in my cheer group wouldn't stop banging on about it. And also yeah. it was England versus Italy. So I was like... Oh, well, you win either of, way. I win either way, so it doesn't make a difference in my life. Yeah, I, I just... I have no interest in sport. It's like... This is going to really insult a lot of people, but I view sports similar to soap operas where because it's infinite, while... You can't ever see it all. Like, I know Star Wars people are like, oh, Star Wars, they make loads of stuff. It's like, I, I know that. But with Star Wars, it's like, here's a here's a movie. It's the start and the end. You get that kind of with league tables, you know, Premier Leagues and things like that. But it's just every year it changes. And it's like, you know, the teams change because you buy players and move players. Eng- the England team isn't actually necessarily consist of English people, which I've got a problem with. But I'm just like, I, d- I don't understand the loyalty to certain places over others. I don't understand why I want to watch a bunch of millionaires play a game that anyone in the world can play. I don't get it. I Which I'm fine for other people to get. I'm not trying to... Because most people probably like, yes, but you like watching really campy space wizards throw <laughs> sh- basically phallic objects at each other. And I'm like, yeah, people don't get Star Wars. I hold my hands up and understand why. I just don't get sport. But Going back to Tim Henman. Yes. He retired in 2007, Mike. <laughs> you are... Way this this shows how bad my, when we do I, whenever we do quizzes and stuff we do it at work occasionally it's like a charity quiz and things like that we do charity quizzes at work occasionally and people there's like a team I'm on and they really like having me on because I've got quite good I said approximate knowledge of most things especially movies I'm really really good at when it comes to the sport round I am absolutely fucking atrocious I'm so bad I, I identified a lacrosse net that's about as far as I got um, with it so oh, I just job. but the other things of subject turned down I I won't really talk about politics in the show because A sometimes it doesn't age well B you have to really do so much research to really be in. you know I can't really v- show my political opinion very much because I don't look into politics that much I have a general knowledge I look into the manifestos when I vote and things but I don't have an interest in politics the whole political system frustrates me and then the only other thing was some chap approached me and wanted to come on to try and convince me about flat earth theory um, which is obviously going to put out there it's complete fucking nonsense 100% and I'm I'm fine talking conspiracy theories I'm a lot of conspiracy theories I think either have weight to them or are really interesting to talk about flat earth is the one conspiracy theory that's not 
overtly damaging to people which i i cannot stand and the idea of it frustrates me because you can literally get on a plane and if you use the right formula you can literally disprove it you can disprove it anywhere on earth for someone that doesn't want to talk about politics and theories you're going on about it quite a lot no but flat earth is just the one thing that really frustrates me and a guy wanted to come on and i was like i don't want to give this guy any sorry mr man if you're listening it was years ago i don't want to give this guy a platform to talk absolute nonsense that i actually believe genuinely damages the scientific community and actually is problematic because people don't believe science in certain ways question science question things but when the data is there and it's empirical proof it's like gravity or evolution like you anyone who disputes that it's it just frustrates me so i try to avoid politically charged subjects and i try to avoid. so there's a fruit fly trying to get into my (laughs) eye right now Uh, so i'm trying to avoid i'm not trying to avoid the topics literally it's it's a fruit fly but yeah really political stuff uh sports um clearly uh cars and then it's also like i wouldn't have like a nazi on do you know what I mean? Like I wouldn't. Hell. I, Jesus no, no, but I'm using, no, but I'm using extreme examples because politics. When it, but that's what I mean is like I wouldn't have. I want talk to talk to people about different opinions, but there is a limit to extreme opinions that I can't get on board with, and I wouldn't even open up a dialogue with someone like that. So it's mainly just really controversial stuff and sport, I'd say, and politics. Cool. Okay, so now we're going to Ben of Star Wars timeline. Mention the most important book, movie, or game in your formative years. Do you know yours? Harry Potter. I mean, I was wearing <laughs> my Harry Potter pyjamas before there was a costume change. Um, <laughs> no, yeah. one, one pair of your Harry Potter pyjamas. You've yeah. got quite a few Harry Potter t-shirts, haven't you? Yeah, you I did. You had a grey one. Oh, that one's gone. A grey one? It was with, you know, the chibis. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. yeah I think I threw that one in the bin. I can't no. remember. It was a shorter one. Yeah, the hole, yeah. I think. Yeah, yeah. Um, lots of my pyjamas have holes in them. So yours is both the books and the... Ge- both the, so to, uh, the books and the films of Harry the Potter. The films, predominantly. I didn't start reading the books until a little bit later on. Um, but absolutely. Harry, Harry Potter has always been in my life. I've always loved it. It, I just love it so much. We kind of got a spark to it. Like most people in our generation or a large percentage of people in our generation and slightly younger, it it's one of the reasons that a lot of our generation started to read is Harry Potter. Like no one, there's not been a book series that has come out since that had people queuing out the doors of bookshops on the day of release for it to come out. That's, that's not happened since then. It may have happened before then, but to my understanding, the Harry Potter phenomenon, like I think Twilight had a bit of it, and, hun- uh, and Hunger okay, Games okay. to a degree. So Harry Potter is definitely there. Twilight is also definitely there. Yeah. I so I remember going to see in secondary school. So I, I can't remember when Twilight came out. <laughs> Between the years of two thousand and five to two thousand and ten, I think it was two thousand seven. It was definitely when one. I was at secondary school. Yeah. I remember going to see Twilight at the cinema with my friend, and I loved the film so much that I went into a bookshop and bought the entire series there and then. And I've heard spent, the books are quite good. Spent all of my like birthday and pocket well I didn't get pocket money, but my birthday money on all of the books. Yeah. Like considering that it's a four book series, the last book is yeah. pretty chunky. You're looking at probably at least like a tenner per book. I just like went out and spent like forty five to fifty pounds on books. Yeah. Um yeah. Twilight and Harry Potter are probably up there for me game wise i didn't really play games when i was younger i'd say mario probably yeah. is the main one um but yeah 
For me, I'd say the most important book I've ever read is The Heron Diaries by Nikki Six, um, who's the bassist of Motley Crue. Um, it was a, he took a diary when he was in one of the many years he was addicted to heroin. Uh, I believe it was 1984, I think, or something along those lines. Um, and he basically wrote a diary for a year. Um, and then in the early 2000s, he went back, found the diary. And then he, with each passage of the diary, him, him and people who he wrote about in the diary then give context to things he said. So it was an example was like, oh, I went into the manager's office, spoke to my manager. He was being a dick. So I told him to fuck off and left. And then it says, the manager says, Nikki Six walked in, stoned out of his nut on heroin, puked over himself and didn't notice, slurred things at me, fell out of a chair and then stumbled out the room. And I hadn't said a word. And then Nikki Six was like, I don't remember any of that. So I found that it has humor to it, but it's very dark. It deals with suicide and addiction. And it really, it completely changed my perception on drug addicts and fame and the cost of fame. Because Motley Crue skyrocketed. I mean, people don't, some people don't realize this. Motley Crue are in some ways responsible for Guns N' Roses exploding because they took Guns N' Roses on tour when Motley Crue were at their peak. And Motley Crue, they were part of glam rock. They were like getting private jets flying them everywhere. Them and Kiss, it was insane. So Motley Crue, so that book, the Heron Diaries, and then there's a there's a C, there's a film there's an album out called The Heron Diaries soundtrack by Six AM, one of my favorite bands ever. That goes along with that. Um, so that's the book. Movies, I mean, Star Wars obviously is a big one, but I I've gone up and down with Star Wars over my life. Um, I think that Train Spotting was probably the most impactful film of my life. Once again, very it's around the same time. I can't remember if it was Train Spotting first or The Heron Diaries first, but both of them came into my life at a very similar time. And again, really changed my perception on how people talk, dialogue, addiction, you know, all kinds of different elements of the world of drugs and what we're told about drugs from, you know, the, the government primarily. And that sent me on a search of realizing there's inconsistencies with what we're taught about in schools about drugs. In the UK, we've got Talk to Frank and other Not elements. anymore. Is that gone now? I mean, whenever I've taught about like PSHE and yeah. I've had to speak about drugs, I've never ever mentioned Talk to Frank. Okay, fair enough. But obviously this was, you know, 15 bloody when, years when ago. When I was at school, when we were at school, yes, yeah. now. No. Talk to Frank and a lot of it, and when you start realizing that, it really changed my perception on not everything you're told by governments or by organizations or even charities are actually true a lot of things have got agendas so both of them kind of mixed together video gaming um super smash bros was a big one for me um that was a game my dad got me on a whim and then i played that more than almost any other game halo 3 i played that with my mates a lot of the time oh sims oh yeah you played sims i a played lot. sims a lot yeah so there's a few i mean games is a hard one because it you get obsessed with the game for a while and then you move on to the next one but that's probably all the ones i'd say Okay, next one. How would you characterize love after the first month versus the first year of your relationship? I thought that was a really good question. It's hard. It's hard for us because the first month of our relationship, I wasn't. You in America? I was in America. Well, I think um, probably let's say a month from you returning to America when we knew it was actually because when you're in America, it's, it's both weird, of us were it, unsure. It, it, well, no, that's not true though because. So Mike and I met on the 4th of July, weirdly enough, because I then went to America. Yeah. Um, so we met on the 4th of July, and then I flew out to America on like the 17th of July or something along those lines. We had like two and a bit weeks together. It wasn't very long. Um, and I remember being in either New York or Washington, D.C., which was within the first week of my trip, and speaking to you on the phone and saying that... I'd started referring to you as my boyfriend because it was just easier. That was about two weeks in. No, it wasn't, Mike. Really? 
I, I, as I said, I'm pretty sure I was in New York when that I'm happened. I'm almost adamant it was two to three weeks. Nah, in. mate, it wasn't. Okay, well, two agreed. To, two to three weeks, I would have been in Vegas. Nah. I think I'm misremembering. Mike, I, I wasn't. Okay, well, this is what happens when you're in a relationship for five years. You start to bicker a lot. Well, uh, anyway. Skipping over that, um, um, from you got back from America, that, that month after it's, it's, you got back from America after a month. It's a weird one because Mike was my first proper relationship. Yeah. Is my first proper relationship. You've been in kind of relationships before, but nothing like overtly official or in the yeah. same capacity. Yeah. Like not saying you love each other sort of thing. No. Yeah. Or the f- just wanting to be my boyfriend. So Yeah. Whereas um, I've been in quite... I, before you, I'd been in quite a few long-term relationships. I guess it's... I don't know. The, like, not that it's not exciting anymore, but like the first month... For me, I was really insecure. Mm. Like I still do get really insecure sometimes. Um... So for the first month, it was kind of tricky. Also, our relationship was a bit odd in the sense that I we met, I went to America for a month, and then like two months after meeting you, I then moved to a different town. So we were then... It was about 40 minutes away. It's like, yeah, 45 to an hour. So it's not that far, but there was still like a... You can't just pop round. You a have wedge. To, you kind of have to... You can't just be like, I'll swing by yours. You have How to do you characterise love? It's a really hard question. Well, I'll, I'll add. So I'd say the first month of most relationships... It's um, exciting. Or, You're getting well, to know each other. Well, that's that's one of the things that, you know, not to delve into these things because we don't talk about it on the podcast very much, but the physical side of things is exciting because you get to explore each other in that way. But also the emotional and the spiritual and the kind of... the open, Opening yourself up vulnerability-wise to someone and letting them in... And showing, letting them see parts of who you are beneath the veneer of society is quite nice and having that vulnerability. So that's an element of things. And getting to know someone is really exciting. So I get that. After a year, had we moved in together by a year? Yeah, so we moved in together. Which was quite fast. Yeah, but that's just because of circumstances. Because, yeah, yeah, I moved to Andover. And the person who owns the house that I lived in was not a very nice person. She sucked. Um, so I ended up having to get out of there kind of as quickly as possible. So I didn't want to give her any more money and I didn't want to be there anymore. Yeah, I know you're trying to get me nearer the mic, Mike, but I'm really, really uncomfortable. And that's the only way that I am comfy is in this position. Well, I'll move the mic closer to you. That's fine. You do that. Um, so yeah, we got together in the July and then by May, that's when I moved in with you and your friends. Yeah. And then it was August that we got our own well we moved into our own flat and rented so we moved in together in like 10-ish months and then we were moving in together just us two in like just over a year i'd say after a year especially when moving in together it changes the dynamic and to begin with especially moving in together i wouldn't i'd never describe our relationship as rocky but there was more conflict just because when you're in each other's space for that period of time that amount of time it I don't even think it's when we moved in together that it no, became rocky. But, Obviously, we had to go through COVID as well. So, yeah, but oh that, my God, this fruit fly, I was hoping man. that was going to go in your mouth, but it didn't. <laughs> um, but I, I would say the thing is, after a year as well, the, not with us, I don't want to make it sound like there was issues in our relationship, but this is with, I've been in quite a few relationships that have gone to the year point. From about a year, now it's trying to get me. I got it. I got it. <laughs> I got it, guys. We, we succeeded. I got the fruit fly. Um, there you go. Point proven. You don't don't show is. everyone there a dead fruit fly. That? Mike, that's, that's so fucking gross. Just to prove a point. It's a, fr- it's a fly. What about I the mean, vegans? That eats fruit. I mean... <laughs> There's another one. Oh, my God. It's his brother. <laughs> what have I done? Oh, no. They're going to swarm. <laughs> um, but I'd say after... The first few months is easy. You don't really have to try in a relationship in the first months. As long as you're honest in yourself and you're receptive. Because of the excitement of a new relationship, it's kind of 
sorts itself out and the physical element of things helps as well. After a year, that's when you really have to start making more of an effort. You have to really start compromising more. You really have to start not quite negotiating, but you have to understand the other person a lot more because the exciting exciting part of it the easy part is gone and then it's like right now how do you work together in these minor ways you know we find you find out in the first few months if you click as conversation list physically and other stuff but after a year or so it then becomes more about the minute things like financial spending food what you want to do with your life in the long term i think that's the difference is the first month is all kind of like a shine like oh shiny new thing exciting whereas after a year it's more this is serious from here on out there's a chance i'm going to be with this person forever so you have to start having those some people had difficult conversations we never really did because we agreed on most stuff and i was very open from the onset because well, I've been we in... spoke about open and we spoke about things openly from like right at the beginning well i made a specific effort to do so because i've been in relationships in the past where that certain things weren't said really early on and that comes back to bite you when you're eight months in so it was those kind of things um so that's kind of how i do it i describe it yeah what are ideal male and female heroic role models for kids in modern media? I mean, I think... Is this traits or is it actual, I think like... just, just characters that are good role models. I think Hermione Granger's a really good role model for women. For young women, it's being... Being smart is okay. I think Hermione Granger in the, in the books is considerably better. Which you might, I've not read the books. Um, well, I have, but I didn't... I think any, anyone that's got a good character arc, the, where there's shows, growth and, and development... I mean, an obvious like, one's as well she's quite yeah i'm thinking like if i'm thinking of like shit's creek for example that's a good one. like if i'm thinking mm-hmm. of like alexis her character development is phenomenal I... like without giving any spoilers away and if you haven't seen shit's creek it's an absolutely fantastic show very wholesome but very good. Oh, i might i might rewatch that actually i have said to you a couple um, times about watching it but i think like a character like alexis is a good role model because she starts out very Prissy, me, 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 very self-indulgent, very, like, only cares about herself, very selfish. And then, again, not spoiling too much, but there's a there's a lot of growth in the character and yeah. a lot of development. Yeah, I'd say... So, it's a hard one because it depends, because different role models work for different people. Like, when, well, I, was, yeah, yeah. when I was younger, there was, a, there was a singer called Corey Taylor of uh, Slipknot and Stone Sour, and I, I really idolised him in a lot of ways. But he's not, like, a necessarily an amazing role model. He's not, like, a terrible role model. He, but he went through a lot of trials and tribulations. He's very open and honest about his drug addiction and his homelessness and all kinds of stuff like that. But I think, you know, a very obvious role model for women that's a good, strong female character is Sigourney Weaver in the Alien franchise. She's very powerful. Um, in the first one, she's a bit more of a stereotypical woman of that era. And then in Aliens and those on, she becomes a lot more powerful. Leslie Nope. Leslie Nope is fantastic. I think Parks and Rec has quite a lot of good ones quite a lot of good role models but i think also it depends what one wants from a role model is it going against the grain and proving that you know the stereotype of women being say belonging in the kitchen and being weak and subservient which obviously those stereotypes hopefully don't exist in most people's minds in 2023 but obviously over the last several decades things have had to change to allow for that so and there are still some people who do believe those stupid things but I think when it comes to men, it's it's hard because, like, my dad, for example, idolised, like, Harrison Ford as Han Solo. But I don't think he's a good role model. He's a tool. Yeah. So it's like... but He's, he's an absolute tool. But that's what I mean. But he's quite... He's not far removed from, like, Indiana Jones either. Harrison Ford plays himself in quite a lot of roles. But he's, like, cool, but he's not a great role model necessarily. But it, I think... 
it's hard because I think men need to be open about their emotions and need to be honest and need to be able to cry, you know, for example, and, 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 be, and tell your kids you love them. You know, I don't like the thing where there's a lot of guys who are really burly. And I remember there being an advert on the radio once and it was this, it was about, I think it was about a payment app of some sort. And this woman on it was saying that she started a business and her dad had never really given her that much gratification. And the most meaningful thing anyone's ever said to her was him once saying he was proud of her. And I was like, that's not a positive story. That's horrendous. Yeah, if you have a parent sad. who's only ever told you they're proud of you once in your fucking life, that is atrocious. Where You know, my dad, for all his faults, he only apologized to me once ever, and that's when he told me he had cancer, but he still told me he was proud of me in a lot of different ways. My mum was always very affectionate and telling me those things. So I don't, I don't know if I could pick out someone from popular media because it depends on what one looks for. And I think, you know, a lot of people who are quiet and in themselves kind of need a role model to be like, you can be out there, you can be yourself, you can be more extroverted. But people like me who are already extroverted and spoke too much and overshared and was a know-it-all, I need characters to, to rein me in, to pull me back. I, get, I, mean? I think it also just depends on where you are in the world That's and good point. Good point. Uh, that kind of stuff. Like, for example, with the new Little Mermaid movie coming out mm. and it having a black lead, that is going to be a huge role model for a, a specific group of people. Chadwick Boseman, he's a great role model. Yeah, Chadwick Boseman is a great role model. Like, like there's, it, it depends on your circumstances. I think it also depends on your environment and where you've grown up. Like, it's a very subjective thing. Yeah, it's a good question, but I feel like it's a kind of question you'd have to almost do so much research on and spend hours talking about it. Which maybe we'll do a podcast about that in the future. But I think we'll move on to the next one because we've still got a few more to go. Okay, next question is from Max Burn of mandatory music and cd and mandatory marvel and dc how has recording together impacted your relationship be it positive or otherwise well it depends on what we're recording when it's just the two of us it's different to when we're with other people yeah early on you were much more nervous about it no, i remember doing a podcast with you for the first time and feeling really weird having to wear massive fucking headphones and it just being us two and I was like this is really odd I didn't like it Yeah. now I've gotten used to it I think it's brought us closer in some aspects but also sometimes it is I don't, like, I don't want to sound like a dick it feels like a burden for me sometimes <laughs> so is the afterthoughts it, and not even necessarily the afterthoughts like I like doing afterthoughts but it is very much more got another one <laughs> stop catching fruit I'm putting them all together in a pile <laughs> I think I'm still alive. Not anymore. Um, stop, Mike. Stop showing people the dead Who's flies. You'll see how many we can get. <laughs> Fruit fly watch. Sorry, I completely derailed you. And now I don't remember what I was saying. When when you were first doing it and things, you were more nervous and stuff. But yeah, afterthoughts feels like a burden sometimes. Not not just afterthoughts. It, it does feel like a burden sometimes. Like I like doing podcasts with Mike, but it isn't my hobby. Mm. So sometimes I feel like I am forced to do them um especially depending on my mood and how my day's been like for for example with this one I'm I am very very uncomfortable at the moment I am very hot um I don't feel a hundred percent so it's not necessarily like the perfect opportune moment to do a podcast but because of scheduling and timetabling it's the only time that we can do it so Although I'm happy to do this podcast, sometimes the lack of flexibility that comes along with it, I find frustrating. Mm -hmm. However, I do think it has 
brought us closer together because especially when it comes to like movies and films like you joke but the main reason there's another fucking fruit fly there um the main reason that mike wanted to do afterthoughts and he's joked and said it but it's kind of somewhat true is that it's one of the main ways that i will talk about movies not that i don't talk about movies anyway but i am more willing to talk about films when we're doing it as an afterthoughts but that's just because it's not my hobby again my hobby isn't watching films like like we've got the 100 film scratch thing and we'll watch movies i would happily just watch loads of disney films and And harry potter again again not disney films she hasn't seen she won't watch raya and the last dragon or any of these other new films or strange worlds or elemental none of these films that are new that i'd want to watch she wants to re-watch the same 30 films over and over and over and over i just haven't heard super awesome things about raya and the lot and whatever the dragons are raya says it's incredible okay well raya tell me that and then i might watch it she has multiple times even in disney discussions that <laughs> and I've mentioned it as well. Yeah, I mean, it's, I did, afterthoughts as well, I understand because obviously I want to make sure Patreon supporters get at least an episode a week. And obviously I record my own uh, afterthoughts on Star Wars books and things as well. But, you know, it's it takes a lot longer to edit and not everyone's interested in Star Wars. But I understand because sometimes, you know, we'll get something in the calendar and we'll be like, yeah, Megan's, I like, I, I don't force, because you said earlier you feel forced sometimes, but I, I don't, I don't think I force you into them. But like, no, but sometimes there are it does. You'll agree, and then when it comes to the day, you've had a crap day at work, and you just want to relax instead of having to put on vaguely this presenting thing. That well, you have this to is do. this is the thing: is that at, it takes energy. Well, my my job is draining. I'm yeah, I'm acting true. every single moment of the day. I'm always pretending. I always have to put a, a brave face on. Like today, I was teaching, and my stomach was in extreme agonizing pain. So, like, I just had to carry on yeah um <laughs> so when i've had a day like that and then i then have to do a podcast especially when it's not my thing it is just challenging sometimes like as much as i love doing disney discussions i absolutely love doing disney discussions i always enjoy it even if i've had a shit day it's really nice to then do disney discussions but it is still draining and it's not even so much just the podcast in itself but it's having to watch the movies that go along with them like again oh so we did the batman revisited thing the retrospective with scott weatherly yeah. and for me what i learned through that is that i don't fucking like batman <laughs> so watching all of those movies felt like such a fucking chore so it was just like it's all well and good saying that i'm not forced to watch them but when i'm participating in a podcast like that I am. And then, and then the other thing with this is as well is that whatever's Mike, Mike's doing, if he's having to watch a pod, like watch a film for the podcast, more often than not, I will end up having to watch it because there's no other time for Mike to be able to watch that show. So I then have to watch something that I don't necessarily want to watch. Well, I do say I can watch it without you. I'll just go to bed late. And often you go, well, no, I want to stay with you. But I will say as well with this, I, 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 I want to clarify, I don't force necessarily Megan to do stuff. I always ask. Like with the Batman retrospective, I asked. I said, I want to do this thing. I'd love for you to be involved because you've not really seen any of the Batman movies by one or two. And it's a really good, diverse thing. And, even, and it, even though you didn't necessarily enjoy watching the Batman films, how many conversations have you had with people 
peripherally about the Batman movies since then. Not that many. I mean, that's not true because I've literally heard you come home and tell me conversations you've had with not people. Not that many. But it's also like MCU stuff and Star Wars. Like the amount of times that you have conversations with people and then you come home and go, you know what, Mike, because of you, I feel like a nerd now because of this and because of that. Yeah, and I lots find of that... kids talk to me about Marvel and Star Wars. Well, you did that quiz, didn't you? The, uh, the, the Hindu, and you got all the movie questions right and you said it's because of me. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> that's not, I'm not saying it's worth qu- spending hours. <laughs> I'd like, life. I'd like to say the quiz that I did on the Hindu was. I wasn't going to necessarily talk about was just like names of films, but in a sexy way because it was a Hindu. Yeah, I can't even remember what some of the examples was that were. Pornocalypse now or things like that. Yeah, There's more detail. Yeah, more confusing than that. but yeah, I yeah, guess. But I, I appreciate that, and I, I always tell you how much I appreciate you being involved in this hobby of mine. You know of. And I never want you to feel like you have to. And one of the reasons I pushed for Disney discussions to be... This is just a cancelling session. <laughs> one of the reasons I started... Well, I corresponded with uh, Dan and Maria to do Disney discussions with because especially after the Batman retrospective, I was like, I don't want to just have to force Megan to watch all these films she really doesn't want to watch. And Megan's always wanting to watch Disney films that I never want to watch because I've seen Monsters Inc. Yeah. a billion bloody times and Bugs Life and Toy Story and all these films. And because I've seen them so many times, I want to spend time watching new films not just ones I've seen 25 times because I just get so bored of it. So I kind of... It makes put- it sound like I only want to watch Monsters, Inc. and those films. To be fair, a lot of the time when I want to watch those films, they are films I have not seen in years. Mm. But you... But I... We've both seen hundreds of times in our childhood. Doesn't matter though, does it? Well, but the, the thing is, the discussion, I want to start that because of then it's kind of being like, well, Megan gets to choose a film each time or each uh, cycle. Plus the films are similar-ish to what she kind of wants to watch anyway. I always want to watch really intense, deep films that are usually quite long. I want to watch Interstellar and, you know, Gangs of New York and things like that. And Megan wants to watch really chilled out, calm, nice things. I want to watch Harry Potter. <laughs> the amount of times she asks for Harry Potter, Forrest Gump, or, or like one of the Disney films. Well, Forrest Gump's not a chilled out film, but I do suggest it a lot. I fucking love that movie. Yeah. So I think that with our with our relationship, it's brought us closer, definitely. And it makes me appreciate Megan a huge amount more. And I would I'm- say that there are definitely more positives than there are negatives by by far but yeah sometimes it does get a bit overwhelming mm. for me um which i completely understand it gets for me even sometimes i have a podcast book and i even say to megan sometimes i really can't be bothered but it's it. even like so i mean this is specifically about us recording together but like sometimes michael have I, i'm not very good at putting dates in my calendar yeah so sometimes it will get to a week and i'm like and i get very overwhelmed when there are too many plans and we always have so many plans it is it's just <laughs> too much but not it, just because of podcasting not just, just not just because of podcasting no but sometimes it is overwhelming and frustrating when i'm like okay what are we going to do this evening and then mike's like oh i've got a podcast and i'm like okay especially when there have been some weeks where you've got like four podcasts in a week and i'm like okay my Yes, I just won't see you then. Yeah, and I try and avoid doing that now more so. I've tried to spread them out more. And, and then it's even worse when you have four podcasts in a week and then you've got things that you have to watch for those podcasts. And I'm like, I yeah. literally don't get to choose anything of what I want to do in these evenings. Yeah, which I sympathise with and I get. But it, one thing, this isn't trying to necessarily justify things, but a lot of people have hobbies. And I've been like, if I was in a band, it would be worse because I'd have band practice every week or twice a week, plus gigs at Fridays and Saturdays and stuff in random places. And you have to come watch me play the same set over and over and over again. If I was like an amateur filmmaker or if I really like sport, like a brother likes, like having to get up for Dixie early every Sunday morning to go and play football or whatever, or playing sport or whatever in certain days of the week with podcasting, at least 
I am in control of the schedule. Mm. So there are certain times where I go this week, because of the last few weeks, we've been really busy with podcasts. I put a note in my calendar saying no podcasting. So I have that creative control over it as opposed to it being something else. You know what I mean? Mm, yeah. We can take a pause if you want. No, I, I, I want to get through it. Like, not sounding like that I want to... That 200th episode, guys. It's not that I'm... <laughs> well, we're an hour and 20 minutes in. It I is know. fucking sweltering is in here. Right I do not want to leave this room and get cool and then just come back into a sauna. <laughs> so, no, I want to power through. Yes. So, um, the next person... But I, it has been positive overall. Yeah, you're, yeah, you're yeah, glad. yeah, yeah. And yeah. also, when we... Last thing is, we're often, even when, even when I'm about to do a podcast by myself, or we do a podcast together and we aren't in the mood... I can't think of a time we've done it and afterwards we've regretted it. Almost every time afterwards we're like, I'm glad we did that. It's a shame we lost the time. It's only when it finishes really late and I know that I've got work the next day. Yeah. That I'm like looking at the clock and I'm like, mm, it's half 11 now and I have to be up at six o'clock. <laughs> yeah, but we now try and do podcasts a lot earlier, but yeah. So the next person, is it R3X or is it Rex? That's R3X. So R3X, where art, th- where art thou at Robo Bluey? Um, who I met the, he's one of the chaps I met in the Star Wars Celebration queue oh really you, yeah 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 yeah. he said I could say his name but I'm not going to because he's like people know me as Robo Bluey but he's he's the the young man who was with glasses and oh oh we saw him twice he yeah. was in the queue and then we also saw him on the day for the High Republic yes yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they were waiting he was waiting to meet Alex and Molly wasn't he I can't remember. I don't th- actually no. I don't think so. I don't think he was. There was someone else there, but we met him. We were in the in the queue anyway. When is I was it when Mitchell and I went, yes. and then we go okay. Yeah. Him. Well, hello. I lovely, remember briefly. Lovely chap. Lovely chap. Um, who are your favourite droids and glup shittos? Silly little characters. So a glup shitto in the Star Wars realm is basically a really minor character that you just gravitate towards that you love for really no reason. You know, like a silly thing. Like mine is like wedge. I love Wedge, but he's not quite one because he's quite major. Like Snap Wexley. I love Snap Wexley. He has like five lines in the sequel trilogy movies. Most people don't know who the hell he is. I really like him. But then you can go even further than that and be like random characters that appear in like, like Rail Avaros in Star Wars. He's in like one book and one audio drama and he's or Count Dooku's apprentice before Qui-Gon Jinn. The guy that has the ice cream maker. Yes. He's a perfect one. Yeah. Will, Will. Will Arnett. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's like Will Will Rough Hood, I think his name is, that guy. But that's a that's a very good one. He's like the OG Glup Shitto. Nicely done. Thank Will Rohood. Will Rohood. Um so favourite droid. R2. That's pretty easy for R2. you. R2. I mean what about BBA? Do you not like R2. Okay. R2 is by far the, my favourite droid. He is. I know that that's incredible. a very basic bitch. But he is so statement, cool. but R2 is is very much my favourite. Yeah, yeah, that's a pretty good one. What do I like any other droids? I like BBA, but like Yeah, well, a lot, I mean... Um, Obviously, there's Chopper, but like, I don't really know any droids apart from... I quite like AP5 from main Rebels. Droids. The, Alan, the Alan Rickman droid. I like the little... Oh, do you know what droids I like? I like the little droids that are in The Mandalorian that's with the lady who voices the cat in Pojack Horseman. Yeah, so Peli Motto, played by Amy Sedaris. Her droids, Her I like dro- those ones. Oh, the little ones that... The, little ones, the little ones that are scared... Yeah, yeah, the little ones... But no, eye. those specific ones, the little ones that are scared of... Mando because he doesn't like droids. Yeah, they're the ones with the big main eye. They they are in yeah, I like Phantom Menace actually. They're some of the pit droids. So they're your favorite droids. And who's your favorite weird random little character uh, in Star Wars? Like someone know. if it comes on screen, like oh my god, that guy. Because obviously I like like Max Rebo, but he's again quite a common one. Like are there any characters you can think of? The only person that I can think of is Kit Fisto, but he's to, not. That he's, is a, that's a glub shitter. 
Is he though? He has like one line of. He doesn't have any dialogue. Oh, well, in the films. I fucking love. He's zero dialogue. I love Kip yeah. In the Clone Wars, he's got like two episodes. My favorite. Episodes. My favorite thing is when. Um, I think it must have been the second time that we watched episode three. Yeah, yeah. So when Mike and I met, I, I had seen episode one and I'd seen all of the originals. So I, well, I'd seen a couple more. So I'd seen episodes four, five, and six. One and eight. Rogue one, and I'd seen episode eight. <laughs> so I'd seen the Last Jedi before I seen the lot. The, the you've never Awakens. seen Force Awakens. Anyway, so. that doesn't matter. That doesn't matter. Um, but so I'd not seen episode two or three, and obviously Kit Fisto's not in episode one. So we watched those ones, and I was like, oh yeah, I really like the Green Man with the tentacles. Like I like him. He's cool. And then I just became obsessed <laughs> with him. We've got a Funko Pop. Of him, I have actually. a Funko Pop of him. Um, and then when we watched. Attack, yeah, no, not Attack of the Clones. Attack of the Clones, um, Force pushes three PO no, smiles. No, not Attack of the Yeah, Revenge that's of the cute. Sith. Revenge of the Sith. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I was like, yay, Kit Fisto. And I was like, oh no, <laughs> you're going to die now. <laughs> yeah, Kit Fisto is my favourite. So, t- so the little pit droids uh, and Kit Fisto are yours. Uh, mine, I mean, the old Glup Shittos, I've got loads of them. Because uh, Wicket wouldn't be classed as one, would he? He's, He's quite a main character. character. Yeah, but to be fair, I quite like Warwick Davis's character. Um, Weasel, who is oh. a spectator in Phantom Menace, and then he appears again in Solo as the same. Do you character. know what one I do like? Yeah. Is this? I can never remember what film it's from. It's the singer that's like, oh, and then the her mouth goes like, sigh snootles. Yeah, that one. She's as another good. I one. like her. Yeah. <laughs> she's because she's in the Clone Wars as well. Um, yeah, sigh snootles. See, it's funny you like that because a lot of people hate. That I just, scene. I think it's just funny. I think it's so dumb. It's so dumb. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that, that, that's some pretty good ones. Yeah, I, th- I think we've answered it. I could go on for a whole podcast about Glob Shittos, but yeah, that's a good one. What's a moment that really made you appreciate how special fandom can be? I think yeah. for me, it was going to Star Wars Celebration, to be honest. Oh, that's nice. That, that's very sweet. I mean, because we did four, three and see, podcasts. And seeing fucking Darth, Darth Binkus. Binkus. You didn't think you'd see him, and I didn't want to get your hopes up, because I suspected he might The two be people, so when we, before we went to Star Wars Celebration, the day before, we went to my brother's house, because he lives in London, so we went there for dinner, and we were talking about Star Wars Celebration, and my brother was like, who do you want to see dressed, like, who's who's cosplaying? Yeah. Um, and I was like... I want to see, like, an Ewok, blah, blah, blah. Which you saw quite a few I saw a lot of Ewoks. I had a picture with quite a pervy Ewok, I must admit. Um, The anonymity of being inside the suit. Uh, But, um, yeah, I was like, I want to see Kit Fisto. Yeah. Which I didn't see, but we did see his species. Nautilin. So that was cool. And I joked that I wanted to see Darth Binkus, which for anyone who doesn't know who Darth Binkus is, it's like a conspiracy theory that Jar Jar Binks is actually a Sith Lord. And that's why he ended up becoming in power and he gave ultimate power to Palpatine so that he could become... The Emperor, yeah? Pretty pretty much, yeah. yeah. The Supreme Chancellor. Supreme Chancellor, whatever the fuck he was. Yeah. Basically so that he could have supreme power. Yeah. Um, so there's like, yeah, a conspiracy theory that Darth Binkus is... Because a lot of our best lines, Lord. he was meant to have quite a major role in Attack of the Clones, and then they got rid of... They cut almost all his dialogue after yeah. the bad reception. That's why he's now suddenly a senator. Yeah. But, um, yeah, so I joked that I wanted to see Darth Binkus, and then we were walking through, and at Star Wars Celebration... Mike turned around because he, well, this other guy who we don't know, who was just a random person, I audibly gasped and I was like, oh, Mike! And this other guy was like, what the fuck? I was like, Mike, it's Darth Binkus! And Mike was like, what? I was like, Darth Binkus! <laughs> I was just like so excited. But 
Yeah, probably that, to be honest. Because you've not done many fandom nerdy events, have you? Well, I've not done any of them. You've I've never, done I've never been to a convention before, no. Star Wars Celebration. So it was just nice seeing... Just positivity. So it? much positivity and so much love for a franchise. Like We spoke to so many people in queues randomly who are all so lovely. Yeah. yeah. Much like the person who asked this question. Yeah. Good on you, Robo Bluey. Uh, for me, obviously, Star Celebration. I've been to Star Celebration before, but only went for a day, which I loved. Um, and then I've been to a couple of conventions. I've been to the London Film and Comic Con. I did enjoy that. I think the f- like, I think the first time a truly a fandom connected with me is probably when I joined Comics in Motion, to mm. be honest with you, which is where Star Wars Comics and Canon uh, was birthed and where a lot of my collaborations come from and a lot of the people who I consider very good friends of mine are from because it was a place where we could have differing opinions on elements of the fandom and give each other, you know, a bit of shit for it. You know, I always get shit for my love of Star Wars and every plot hole I can explain with oh, a comic. about any fandom? Well, yeah, well, uh, fandom as a whole. Hmm. Like how people being fans of stuff because obviously... It it depends where because like I assume waiting in a queue for a Harry Potter book you probably met quite a few people like that. I never waited. In not a queue not for you, a Harry but book. I mean people. You know. I, I mean? was just thinking of when my brother and I went to the Harry Potter studio tour. Oh, and you are the, the story you love telling people. <laughs> well, the fourth you've got three or four stories from that trip that you love telling people. There's so the. F- Philosopher's Stone will always be one of my favourites, even though I fully understand that it isn't one of the best films <laughs> because of how fucking quotable that movie is. There's so many goddamn quotes. My, um, not Mike, my brother and I, my brother took me to the Warner Brothers. So I've been there four times. I can't remember what. what Every time there's something <laughs> Every new. time I've gone, there's something new. And I need to go again because. Need to. Uh, yeah, I do because there's a whole herbology area, Mike. She loves mandrakes. Um, I'm a Hufflepuff, obviously. I love mandrakes. I'm in a different house every time I take the test. Yeah, well, that's because you're a loser. So, I <laughs> don't know what happened with the lights there. Yeah. Um, but when you go to the Hogwarts studio, the Harry Potter studio tour, um, they like do that bit where they ask you trivia questions before they open up the doors and make it like this magical moment when you go into the Great Hall. And... I think just the people answering questions in that. And that's one of my favorite memories with my brother. My brother was getting so embarrassed with me because the person, the person was asking the questions and under my breath, they were like, Oh, what um, type of dragon did Harry pick out in the Goblet of Fire? And I was like, Hungarian horntail. And then they were like, someone else was like, oh, the horntail. And they were like, okay, does anyone know where the thing with the dragon was from? And I was like, mm, Hungarian. <laughs> My brother was like, Megan, can you shut up? And then we had people like near us laughing. And then they were just asking all of these questions and I was answering them. My brother was like, Megan, you need to stop. But it's just nice. Everyone's like in that community spirit because you're all there for the something that you love. Yeah, there's a lot of toxicity online, especially with Star Wars. Like, Star Wars online is horrible, but mm. Star Wars in celebration is just, it's, it's, it's beautiful. It's, it's lovely. It's just some of the best, it's one of the best weekends of my life, not just because I'm surrounded by Star Wars, but because it's so positive. It's, it's so nice. And it's nice to be around people who genuinely care about a franchise you love. So I think, yeah, Star Celebration is definitely a big one. But for me, Comics Emotion was one of the big ones, but I've always been in nerdy culture and stuff. So I've kind of always been around positive nerds to a degree. Yeah. Okay, uh, right, moving on to Rhea Carrigan from Femon no, Collective. Not Rhea. Oh. So, I'm, <laughs> so it says here, I'm editing all of the smutty questions out of my head and I'll think of some nice ones. The first question I have already read and it makes me laugh. 
Would you rather have to fight a hundred standard sized crickets, you have to defeat them all, or one giant cricket? Not a human sized cricket, bigger than that, let's say an elephant sized cricket. I'd, I'd fight the 100 standard size crickets. If it was 100 crickets... 100 I, crickets isn't that, that many, many crickets. No, I could, I could quite... I'd smash them. If you're in a room with 100 crickets, you'd be pretty easy. I'd if there are 1,000 crickets, I'd probably then choose the elephant An mark. elephant-sized cricket, though? That's massive. I suppose if it jumped and landed on you, you'd be dead. But it's... I think... It's fucking huge. Yeah, but, Just the shell on the... Wait. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the the, the, yeah. To be fair, it, it's a hard... <laughs> I think it depends how aggressive these crickets would be. Because if... I don't know if 100 crickets could kill you apart from burying, uh, burrowing in your throat or eyes. I don't think it'd be possible. But a giant cricket that size, it could just crush you from the sheer weight. So I think it's safer to fight 100 crickets. If it was 1,000 crickets or if it was 10,000 crickets, for example. I think 100 crickets is more crickets than we think it is. Well, it's 10 times 10. Because crickets jump as well. They I'm do. thinking cockroaches. Crickets jump. It'd be hard to kill 100 cockroaches. I just stand on a mate. Cockroaches are notoriously hard to kill. Just stand on a mate. Right. Well, they've never been stood on by me, have they? <laughs> I don't know if you've ever crushed a cockroach. No, I haven't. Um, I've trapped one in a cup before. Well, that's how you. That's why, because you step on a cockroach, you think you killed it, and then it'll be gone. There. Yeah. Well, it, it survives a nuclear. I think that's. A <laughs> I myth, know it's a myth. Yeah. Um. I if a hundred crickets easy. If it was a ten thousand crickets, I'd choose the. See, giant I was one. forgetting what a cricket was, and I don't like crickets. The noise of them creeps me out. Do you know how they make that noise? Yeah, they rub their like knees together or something. But anyway, it's their legs. They've got hooks on, like all, like uh, serrated edges. Yeah, and, and then it rub, depends on the they temperature. They rub the serrated edges together. It's yeah. the temperature that makes them move faster or less fast. There's crickets everywhere in Italy. Yeah, you hear them all the time. Oh, you can the hear them in the summer, walk, springtime. I, hate, I hate them. I like crickets. Um, I don't love them, but I like them. But yeah, I'd rather fight a hundred standard-sized crickets yeah. than one giant cricket, an if, elephant size. I'd rather fight a hundred. I think I'd rather fight 100 crickets easy. If it was 1,000 crickets, probably 1,000. Well, that's not the question. So if it fine. was 10,000 crickets, I'd choose the giant one. Why are you one. being excessive here? I, th- I just don't think 100 matches the s- an elephant Do you hear that, Ria? Mike doesn't think your question's good enough. I mean, uh, an elephant-sized cricket would be near impossible to kill. Nah, especially in England without guns. Like- nah, just get, like, a pickaxe. Get a pickaxe. Yeah, or or we'd get, like, a string and then tie it around the legs, like a an AT-AT. Very nice reference. Thank you. Um, but I don't think crickets bend that way, so I think it'd be able to get out of it quite easy. Nah, I reckon. It's serrated edges on its you'd legs. Have to, cut through nah, the string. nah. You'd have to like you know what's that for TV? Not TV. What's the book about the big guy? David and Goliath. BFG. No, there's a book where there's like a giant big man. Guy. Jack there's and a, Jack no, and the there's a book about a giant man that gets like. It's kind of like the borrowers, but it's not the borrowers. Giant man. <laughs> Book about a giant. There's like a. I think The Simpsons spoofs it. I don't know. Book about a giant man. You're putting it that um, gets shot, trapped by tiny. People. Oh, Gulliver's Travels. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's not a giant man. That's a normal size. Gulliver. Man. Yeah, that's a normal. Yeah, like on Animal Crossing. <laughs> Gu- yeah, well, that's the joke. Gulliver is a normal size human that gets trapped on an island with loads of tiny yeah, people. Yeah, it's the same thing. No, it so isn't. So those tiny people, that would be like the size of an elephant, yeah. wouldn't it? Um, it's, it's the equivalent. That's what I'm saying. Right, okay. We would harpoon the cricket like the tiny people did to Gulliver. I see. Right. I was thinking I'd Jack use... Black was him, wasn't he? In the one of the remakes, yes. Yeah. Um I would I was thinking the way I'd kill an elephant-sized cricket in the UK is I would have to yeah, throw lots of sharp sticks at them, but I'd probably have to use fire. 
like um, a homemade flamethrower out of deodorant. Yeah, just get an aerosol. Yeah. Cool. What is the first song lyric that pops into your head when you think of each other? It's an easy one, isn't it? Girl, we got a good thing. By Weezer, yeah. Yeah. Girl, we got the good thing by Weezer. It's one of the first songs we ever connected to. I mean, that's a song, but obviously that's the first lyric of the song, so that is the first thing. Go check it out. It's a good song. Yeah, okay. Tonya Todd, also from Femon Collective. What are some of your most surprising genuine chit-chat highlights? Yeah, I, I try to group these together um, somewhat, but the highlights thing, you know, I mentioned Michael McCormick and the Church of Satan. Obviously, speaking to any of the Star Wars authors was huge for me. Um, I think probably Claudia Gray for you, because that was the first one. Yeah, that, that was the like the big one for yeah. you when like the first big thing. Yeah, that was the first person I got, which was like a, a really big guest for me. Obviously, I'd read her books and things like that. Um, and I got to meet her at a style celebration in person. That was really nice. Um, I, I'd say Claudia Gray was probably the biggest moment in podcasting for me. That's when I kind of felt like I'd, I'd made it in a way. And then because of speaking with her, it's given me more weight to be able to speak with the other High Republic authors like Kevin Scott and uh, George Mann. And then, I, you know, and to be fair. Speaking to Alex and Molly was pretty cool as well. Yeah, Alex and Molly of Stars Explained. That was incredible. And they shouted us out on one of the shows that was amazing um because i've been watching them for you in fact alex and molly damon are one of the reasons i started my star wars podcast um so they were they were definitely a couple of the highlights um there's other ones like I, like speaking with shadow is always great speaking with goth of being Productions production is always great speaking of friends is always is a fun one um but i think claudia was the the first really big one and then michael mccormick as well is always one that's really uh special to me but kevin shinnick was delightful he was so nice and so friendly and i've we talk on email and stuff, so I'm hoping to have him on again. But yeah, I think that's probably it for me, I think. Yeah. And meeting Tonya, of Am course. I meet, meeting Tonya. to say most surprising. Well, you, yours doesn't necessarily count. Because, oh, well, how rude. Well, you can if you want, but you've only been on... It doesn't matter, guys. I don't have an opinion. Well, no, because you've done Disney discussions with me and so you've rude. done... You've done the... You did the teacher's one that we did. I've done a couple by myself. Yeah, I mean, you did the one with Elise, as in Chris Brayton's uh, wife on the I Like to Like Yeah, and I did one with Tonya by myself. Well, yeah, you did the bad books one. Yeah, Yeah, that one was stressful. Not because of you, Tonya, because of our internet connection. I could not see anybody. I could not see myself in the camera, and it was incredibly stressful. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But that was quite cool to Mm -hmm. do that by myself. Um, What were the biggest challenges, and how did you overcome them? I assume in podcasting, I, I think it's probably just, it's when you contact loads and loads of people and you don't get responses because people almost never say no. They just don't respond. So I think it's people not responding to my, you know, me kind of t- taking ages writing an email to try and sound convincing for someone to come on my podcast and then never hearing back from them. That's always quite a knock to the confidence, but it's just something you have to deal with. I, I said to, if anyone's got going to have an interview podcast, unless you're already famous, like a lot of the major podcasters already are, it's so hard to convince someone of no, of some degree of fame to actually take the time to speak with you. It's really difficult. And I'd say that of every 10 emails you send out, you're lucky to get a response on one or two. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big challenge. Another one is the time and organizing. And then there's one that m- myself and Spider-Dan have spoken about is when people cancel. And it's fine that occasionally people cancel, but sometimes you'll just have a real bad month or two and you'll have like four people cancel. And it's your entire month of podcasting schedule gone and you you have to find a way to keep releasing content while trying to find other guests without just having the same guests on over and over again you know i mean it's quite a it's it's stressful i'd say in that regard um how did you come to the decision to start offering patreon for your listeners tony farina is a big part of that 
he just kept telling me that he really wanted to support me in any way that he could and said that he if I started a Patreon, he would happily contribute. So knowing he would do that did give me a bit of a nudge. And then quite a few people uh, joined as well, which I hugely appreciate each and every one of them. But it's it was it was really just because people said they wanted more content from me and they'd be all willing to pay, that, that kind of sparked it. And then I had the idea with Megan of doing Afterthoughts so it was a good way for me and Megan to talk about movies because I said, we watch a movie, ask her what she thought and she'll either go, yeah, it was really good, it was all right or I hated it. It's and all right. It's normally the, the one. I'd probably say eight out of ten. If you were to ask any of the people that I regularly speak to Disney from discussions. the past, yeah, if you ask, if you ask Rhea Rodahan what my responses would be, they would be able to... It's all right. That's pretty much it. So I have to basically push Megan to podcast so I can actually get her opinion on a film as to why she did or didn't like it very much. Um, That's that's part of it. And also, it was a good way just to cover the costs of podcasting because it costs money to host the podcast. Um, The podcast that I use is is Podbean, the provider. So it costs a certain amount of money a month to do that. It costs an amount of money to have Zoom as the pro version. Uh, And then obviously just microphones and things like that. And the one that I'm using as a backup now that we use for Patreon, it costs several hundred pounds and I wouldn't have been able to warrant spending that kind of money of my own without Patreon so well the portable one yeah 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 so I wouldn't have been able to invest that kind of money on myself my laptop for example that died and because of Patreon I got to use the Patreon money to afford to do it so Patreon really helps me I don't just spend it frivolously all the money I get from Patreon whether people podcasting yeah whether they contribute a pound a month or some people contribute like three or five pound a month they hugely appreciate it's I just put it straight back into podcasting and the next thing we're going to buy is a new webcam, is a, is a better camera and stuff. So it's really just because Tony pushed me into it because he said there's nothing to lose if you try it, even if it's just him giving me money. Uh, and then lots of other people have co- contributed, including uh, Tonya Todd. And I just, I'm incredibly grateful not only the people who listen and to the show. And Dan, hasn't he? Well, I was going to list off the people. <laughs> at the at the end, I was going to give a special thank you to all my Patreon supporters. But yeah, there's a Margaret lot of them. Green. <laughs> yeah, but there's a lot of them that... Um, because of them, I've been able to make podcasting better. And it gives me gratification as to not only that people listen to my show, the people are so enthusiastic about it. They're willing to give me their money, which is really their time as well, to help me continue doing something I'm so passionate about. Nice. What advice would you give new podcasters? Don't expect to make money out of it. Um, you have to fully commit, but don't overstretch yourself. There's loads of content creators I know, not just podcasters, who they are like, I'm going to release a podcast every day. And I'm like, don't do that. Don't, that's stupid. Um, or I'm going to do the, like I've had friends who do Instagram accounts. They're like, I'm going to post every single day. And it's like, that's not sustainable. And the problem is what a lot of people do is they'll, they'll trip up at a hurdle and then they'll just give up or they won't they'll feel like they failed in some way. Like I know that if I miss a Sunday or something, I will feel bad about it because I, over the last like six years, I've barely missed any weekends, um, any uh, releases. So I'd say do a schedule that's reasonable for you. Don't be afraid to take a short break, but be aware that the longer the break you take, the harder it is to get back on the wagon. Do something you're passionate about because if you do something in a way that you think the world needs to hear, yeah, it can be good, but once the, the excitement of doing something new wears off, you're then left with something that's basically work. So it's something that you need to be passionate about and don't expect to make money out of it because 99% of podcasters don't make enough money to live on podcasting at all. And the majority that do make enough money to live were already famous, like my dad wrote a porno 
uh, one of the hosts of that is a BBC radio DJ. The th- the Australian podcast you like, they were already radio DJs. Most of the top podcasts in the world. The yeah, Joe you're Ro- not you're not gonna go into Joe Rogan, podcasting and be Joe Rogan. Joe Rogan, uh, the QI Elves one, which is no such thing as a fish. Office um, ladies, office ladies. All these people are already famous. So most of these people have more followers on Instagram than I've got downloads in my entire yeah, life. Yeah, it's podcasting. like there's another podcast that I listen to, which is Matt and Abby, and yep. they is it's called the Unplanned Podcast. They're from TikTok and they do YouTube, but I just find their lives interesting. So I listen to their podcast, but because they've already got such a huge following on TikTok and that stuff, they're just well, they have more reviews. Doing really well. They have like more reviews on. I can't. I looked it up, and they've got some amount of thousands of reviews on Spotify. And they'd been they'd been doing their podcast for like six months or something. And in that time, they had more reviews on Spotify in six months than I'd had listened in like in my in the first year of my podcasting career. Yeah, it's the algorithm, and it, well, isn't it? Where's the algorithm? It's also as you said. It, it's just a, if I already had a million Instagram followers, I'd only need one percent of them to listen, and I've got ten thousand listens an episode. Whereas me being a nobody, starting from nowhere, and not having any Instagram followers, and even when I started my podcast, I only probably had five or ten people who I knew who actually wanted to listen. So I've spent the last six years building up hundreds, and then now thousands of people who listen from nowhere. So yeah. it's taken time. So, so don't expect, and also don't stare at the numbers too much because it will depress you and it will send you into a spiral because mm-hmm. you release an episode and it'll be like, why is this one not doing well? And then you'll try and hyper-focus on what's popular at the moment and then you'll lose sight of why you started podcasting and then it'll become a chore. Uh, what equipment do you use? Okay, so um, this microphone here, the main one I use, is a Samsung CO. A C-01U, I think it's called C-01U, Samson, S-A-M-S-O-N. The reason I started using it was because um, Paige of Buddy Pet, my uh, cousin's wife, she had a microphone. She was kind enough to let me borrow it to kind of test it out um, because microphones are quite expensive, especially good ones. And so I borrowed it off her. I liked it so much um, that I then bought the pro version, which actually this one is the same, but has a, a headphone jack in the front. It cost about... Somewhere between 60 and 100 pounds, um, depending on when, if there's a sale on. Plus the cable, which I think you get with it. Pop shield or the fuzzy thing on the top. Shock mount, arm as well, all that stuff. It's probably going to be, to even start podcasting as a solo person, if you don't use your phone, which you can, it's going to put you back one or 200 quid. And then the handheld recorder, which I will now lift up, but it's being used as a backup thing. This is what we use for Patreon. It's a really cool thing here. It's Tascam. I cannot remember for the life of me what, type of which one of the Tascams it is. Um, it, oh, DR40X linear PCM recorder. Um, so I did a lot of research over the course of weeks, checking over all different ones of what I needed. And so they're the ones. And also, word of advice, um, this is a USB microphone. If you look anywhere online, everyone tells you not to use a USB microphone because they say the quality's crap. They are lying audiophiles. They want you to buy a soundboard that's one to 200 pounds. They want XLR mics that have to fit into the soundboard that then go into your laptop. All kinds of problems. For me, it's too much faff. The, the USB ones always work, so I get complimented on my audio quality. So they are the things I use, and then just a little And also, laptop. if you're just starting out, there's no need to get something super, super expensive. You 100%. might as well just increase the quality as you go along when you know for sure that it's something that you want to carry on with. I'd say start recording with your phone as a microphone. Just talk. If you're only going to do audio-only podcasts, just hold your microphone like that and just talk into that. Do it for, I'd say, probably three months. Then if you are still doing it, still passionate, buy a, buy a microphone if you can afford it. Then only if you've been doing it for a year, maybe even two years, consider upgrading. 
Right, so on the last two questions. So this is from Russ Tribe of the Day 66 movie. Which is a zombie movie that me and Megan are extras in. And unfortunately, we were on holiday when it was premiered in a local theatre of ours. Sorry, Russ. Uh, But he's looking to get it distributed somewhere. So when that eventually comes out... We'll get to watch ourselves as zombies. I think I've got a cool death scene as well, which is fun. Yeah, you did have a cool death scene. Um, What's been your most geek-tastic moment? So speaking of Claudia Grace, definitely a big one. Um, speaking with Kevin Scott, obviously he's a big one. Kevin Shinnick, another really, really big one. Um, recently, George Mann. George Mann, I listened to other podcasts he's done. Um, and he doesn't always say this, but for almost every question I asked him, he said, that's a really good question or it's a very good meaty question. And they're things he hadn't been asked before. And that's what I kind of strive myself on. So being recognized by that. And when I spoke with Claudia Gray as well off air, I've got another one. The, fuck the is- third fruit fly. Third one, guys. Stop the Three death. of them. Three of them. Three fruit flies. Um, the, when, after I spoke with Claudia Gray, she said that was one of her favorite podcast interviews as well, which it, it just means, it, whether, I assume she meant it because you don't need to say things like that. But when people I admire who are creatives <sighs> say those things to me, it just means the world because I idolize these people and they create so much content I love. And for them to even know who I am and recognize me, like when I went to Style Celebration, they actually did recognize me or at least pretended to. And Alex to. and Molly did as well. They recognized Yeah, well, us. we met them at Style Celebration. Um, so when there's people I admire, especially content creators, uh, and they recognize me uh, and appreciate the work I put in, and especially when I have guests and they like that I've done a lot of research, like, oh, you've you've looked into this or you've done a lot of research. That's a, that's a really good compliment for me. But Michael McCormick as well, the puppeteer, one of the tops. That's cool. So, and then multiple people so in brackets, the... Rhea and Blake. This is the last question. Favourite podcasting moment? So I have answered this quite a, in a variety of different ways, but do you have a favourite moment i probably it's probably like disney discussions it's it's it'll be disney discussions i really enjoy the disney discussions um i also (laughs) one of my favorite ones as well is when um chris called me his spirit animal chris of uh comics in motion (laughs) chris phelps um, from the Spider-Man, the the infamous Spider-Man, Spider-Man 3, 3, which we did for Patreon, Patreon. originally, <laughs> and then Dave enjoyed it so much that he said, could we release this on the Comics Emotion feed? Because they loved you ranting so much. <laughs> and now everyone in Comics Emotion and loads of people... Yeah, my most famous podcast episode keeps... is the Church of Satan one. Yours is Spider-Man yeah, 3. And you yeah, can't even remember I half can't. the stuff you I, said. I've listened to it. I, I did it myself. I was there. I was the one that said the words. I have listened to it back. Yeah. My friend Kerry loves it and she talks to me about it semi-regularly and I have absolutely no recollection of what I said in that podcast. I'd need to listen to it again, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, probably Disney discussions. Just the there's a dog lot of, baby there's thing. Do- <laughs> dog baby. Dog baby was quite funny in the recent one. Um, but there's just a lot of laughter and it just brings me joy. And Dan and Rhea are just such lovely people as yeah. well. And we've met them both in real life. Dan came to stay with us a couple of weeks back. Lovely house guest. A couple of weeks back. It was a few weeks ago, wasn't it? A couple weeks is two, Mike. A few weeks ago then. It was about a month ago. Um, but yeah, uh, for me, it's it's hard to choose a favourite moment because... It's here over a month ago. Okay. Um, favourite podcasting moment is a hard one because every podcast I do is about different things. <clears throat> like when I spoke with uh, Radhika Rao, for example, she taught me a lot about Buddhism and 
I just some really really great conversations and she taught me quite a lot of interesting things about India for example like they uh, curry is not really a word in the Indian language like over here in the UK we view curry generally as an Indian food but it's it doesn't really exist there because obviously in India it's just food so that was quite an interesting thing I just like little tidbits of information I love hearing about people and I love it when I talk to someone about something they're passionate about and their eyes light up. A recent one was Kevin Shinnick, a Star Wars author of Force Collector. He's worked with George Lucas and lots of other people. He's amazing and he's got a real passion for history. And when I mentioned that to him, he was just excited to even briefly be able to talk about history because no one really follows him up. He always mentions in interviews he likes history and no one really asks him about it. Uh, so I am planning a podcast with him about history as well. But just when I get to talk to people and they are there's very few I don't think I've ever regretted a podcast um, I don't think there's ever been one that I'm like I wish I hadn't done that but there's definitely been ones that are hard work to get conversations out of people and then afterwards I release it and I'm like I'm fine with that but it didn't necessarily add a huge amount to my life and it's not one I'm screaming from the rooftops about but there's been a lot but yeah top ones all the Star Wars authors and creators obviously Alex and Molly Damon a lot of the comics emotional one which is just really really fun uh, and then you try to get another one you try to top me with the fruit fly. I didn't get it. Weak. You got the power. <laughs> That's my real superpower is being able to catch fruit flies. Uh, but yeah, my comic comic's definitely up there uh, as well. So we did it. We did it. Just well, so under those two people hours. that are watching the video, I'm sorry if it looks like I'm bored. I'm not. I'm just uncomfortable at this point. These I'm like contorting, the and these chairs are disgustingly uncomfy we're, we're basically we are going to be buying we, we've only got one office chair or one desk chair when we get is, oh tomorrow tomorrow when we get paid yes we'll be um, buying a new desk chair because obviously people know normally I record upstairs uh, with my bookshelf It'll behind be me hot up there though it is hot as hell up there uh, but in the winter it's nice it's good temperature but um, normally we'll end up recording up there more frequently but at the moment it's normally on the sofa but it was just because I had the questions and other stuff and I wanted video and blah 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 I I thought we better to record in here but that is pretty much... There's another fruit... There it is. Um, okay, it's fine. I want to get it. But I don't... Actually, I'm not going to try because I've got three in a row. I'm not going to get any better than that. But friends, thank you so much for listening. You know, I hugely appreciate every single one of you just not only supporting me by listening to this and obviously all these questions that everyone has sent, it's just... It's incredible. It's It's something that just means a huge amount to me. Obviously, this is my passion and I do this because I just love doing this. It's just my favorite thing. So I just want to thank everyone. I, I just, I didn't, I didn't necessarily think I'd be doing this for six years. I'm, I know that that was one of Maps questions. I kind of knew I would be to a degree, but I, the fact I've been doing it so long and there's so many people who still want to listen to me doing it and still like what I'm saying and aren't bored of me and aren't sick of me constantly talking about Star Wars. It's, it's, it's one of those things that just, it, it means so much to me is it oh god is there any sort of final words uh, that you wanted to say my little cherub no, um, not really well, thank was, you everyone thank well, you was, for your questions everybody oh, there's the, the fruit fly as well it's getting in my <laughs> face um, so I was just trying annoying oh, there's, it keeps landing on me it likes you it does like me. So I was just trying to get up the list of my Patreon supporters so I could individually thank them because I don't generally thank them as much as I should do uh, on my podcast. So I just wanted to reel through them and thank each of them um, because without them, I wouldn't have been able to uh, buy this recorder. Without them, I wouldn't have been able to upgrade my laptop or any of the crazy things I've been doing. And without them, Mike wouldn't be able to listen to me give my opinions on movies. <laughs> well, that is a good point. Like, I, I genuinely I wouldn't be able to uh, do that. So... I just wanted to thank them, but I was trying to find the list 
of my... Um... Yeah, it's very convoluted. I didn't think about this, did you? I should have, should have screenshot it earlier. Well, no, the, 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 the annoying thing is... There's, there it is again. It landed on you. Yeah, it's because I'm so tasty. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I was just trying to quickly... I mean, I might just cut a smidge of this out just so I can actually... You know when you're on a car journey and you need the toilet... Do you need the toilet? No, no, no. That's not the point that I'm making here. But you know when you need the toilet and you're like three minutes from home and you're so fucking desperate because you're three minutes from home, that's how I feel about how uncomfortable I am at the end of this podcast. I'm so, like, I'm so hot. Yeah, I know. I'm sorry. There's a list of the... I got it. You got one. I got one. You actually managed to get one. So we've got... How many fruit flies are there now? Four? Four fruit flies? Right, so, big thank you to my patron supporters. Every one of you, you mean the absolute world to me. The fact that you are, have been doing this and allow me to do this is just absolutely incredible. So, we have got Tony Farina, basically the reason I started Patreon and has been one of my biggest supporters forever, so thank you so much to you, good sir. Then we've got Frank Burton, obviously one of the questions there. We've got Margaret Green, thanks to you, Margaret Green. <laughs> then we've got um, Iron Jack's Musings as well, um, thanks to him. We've got Ms. Tonya Todd, who's incredible, obviously. Brian Ivanhoe, he's been a supporter for a very long period of time, so thank you so much, good sir. We've got Dave Horrocks, obviously of the Comics Emotion Network, always, once again, he's probably the reason I did my Star Wars podcast, because that whole collaboration we did with um, Scott Weatherly. Spider Dan, obviously self-explanatory. What a hero, what a man. Scott Weverly, the 20th century geek. Because of him and Dave and Chris Phelps, you know, Comics Emotion are the reasons I did my Star Wars podcast. Got Brett Scott of the Marvel Plus podcast, who I appreciate hugely, and he's such a lovely chap. And then the most recent one is Math. So obviously a newer member of Comics Emotion doing Rebels Reviewed with me and always likes talking to me about Star Wars and hearing another person get excited about Star Wars who wasn't into Star Wars as much, but because of me has got more into it. I know Dave has said that I one of the reasons his love of Star Wars is reignited uh, before a lot of the live action shows came out so just to all of you who are patron supporters all 11 of you I hugely appreciate everything you do and if there's anything that anyone who's listening that if you want to support the show if you want to keep on the wheels turning for another six years obviously support me on Patreon is a great way to do it you get a whole every an episode like this every single week of me and Megan not quite this long to clarify they're not two hours every week that would be a bit much but you get to hear Megan's movie reviews we talk about when we've gone on trips I've got a 40 minute Somerset trip recorded that I haven't released yet you get Star Wars Legends book reviews I release every couple months there's not too many of them if you're not fussed about Star Wars um, and you can support the show monthly you get immediate access to over 170 episodes of afterthoughts if you can't do that for any reason at all you don't want to but you still want to support the show financially or you want access to the afterthoughts episodes then you can contribute to my coffee ko-fi.com slash genuine chit chat and you can give a one-off donation and if you do that i will send you a few episodes of afterthoughts and you can put in the comments wherever one is you fancy and i'll send them to you so you can do that you can share the show on social media uh, you know i'm at genuine chit chat on instagram twitter and on facebook i'm also on tiktok now um which i'm not a fan of tiktok but I put snippets on there as well. Uh, you can share the show with your friends. That means a huge amount to me. If you're listening now and you've not reviewed the show, you can rate it on Spotify. That means a lot. You can review it on Apple Podcasts. You can review it on Audible. You can subscribe on the YouTube channel. And obviously a video version of that is here. Any of those ways you can support the show. I want to try and get my YouTube subscribers up because... I'm one of the only YouTube channels where all my videos get more views than my subscribers. And most YouTubers, they've got a certain amount of subscribers and then every video gets less than that. Mine's the inverse for some bizarre reason. Um, but if you could do that, it would mean the absolute world to me just reviewing and rating and sharing with your friends. Obviously, contributing financially would be a huge help to me, but I appreciate not everyone is in that position to do so. But I was just thinking about it. And if you have reviewed my show in the past on iTunes or Spotify or anything like that, um, or you haven't yet, 
If you do that and screenshot it and send it to me on either social media or you email it to me, if you've reviewed the show in any capacity, I will send you a free episode of Afterthoughts as well. Just to try, and encourage, try and encourage people. So you can hear more from me and Megan. Why? And if you do that and you say, I fancy listening to one about movies or a trip you guys went on or something like that, uh, just let me know and I can send it to you. Um, but yeah, want to get more reviews out. If you want to help the show, please do that. And if people do want to contribute financially, it would mean the absolute world to me. And you can, if you want to subscribe to Patreon, you get access to the feed of 170 episodes. You could blitz through all that in like three months and then stop being a Patreon supporter, which, you know, I'd like you to be one forever. But, you know, any support, even if you've given one pound ever or you've contributed for a long period of time, like a lot of my Patreons have, you all mean a huge amount of uh to me just is incredible and i can't believe that i've been doing this for so long and i've got such a supporting not only audience but fiance who is willing to spend two hours answering questions in a very very hot room on a thursday night just for my podcast so just thank you megan for always supporting me in my creative endeavors i appreciate you more I than appreciate anything. you. Thank you. And thank you, friends. We appreciate you. You know, Megan, maybe not so much because she has to do these all the time. So uh, <laughs> she's like, if no one listened to a show and no one supported on Patreon, he'd have given up on this ages ago and given me all the attention. Yeah. But yes, thank you again, friends. We appreciate you. And we'll talk to you next week with another episode where Megan's involved with our friend Jenna, which oh, is, yeah. and it was recorded in this room as well, but there's no video, I'm afraid. But friends, thank you as always. I appreciate you all. And here's to another 200 episodes. Bye. <laughs> I was waiting for you to say bye before. I didn't know what you... I didn't know that that's what you, you wanted me to do. You normally do at the end of no, Afterthoughts. No, I know. But you, that's Afterthoughts. This is a real one. Uh. I need to fucking stand up. You have just experienced host, creator, everything else of genuine chit-chat, and also the host and creator of Star Wars Comics and Canon, found on the Comics in Motion podcast, Mike Burton.